Hey, what's good, people? Jason DeBellis. I am back. Guess who's back? <laughs> back again. This is episode 28. And stay with me. I got episode 28. It's DJ Stoon. DJ Stoon's going to be in the house. The episode starts right now. All right. Hey, I'm back. Episode 28, Jason DeBeas. Thank you for having me in your living room. And with me in the house, I got New York's own resident DJ at Lavo, internationally recognized DJ. DJ Stoon, what's good, baby? What's up, JJ? <laughs> How you doing, man? <laughs> not just a DJ, not just a former volleyball great, but a very, very close friend of mine. He's like a brother to me, and I'm very, very happy to have you on your show. So waited 28 episodes to do it, but I had to level up before I was worthy. So just just saying. <laughs> I'm actually posting, uh, reposting what you just posted right now on Facebook so we can get some viewers. Yeah, man, we're good. Um, so listen, we were um, during this quarantine mo um, time time period, if you will, we were talking about before the show, we were talking about um, Amazon Prime and some of the shows are on, on Amazon Prime. Um, yeah. Talk talk about what we were talking about before. We were talking about, um, what was it, Uptown well, you know, Com we talking about Uptown Comedy Club or um, what was or, or, um, the Martin Lawrence? No, thing? the original Deaf Comedy Jam. Like the original with like Martin Lawrence, the one that was, uh, I think it, I think it was started by Russell. What's his name? Uh, Russell Simmons. Russell, Russell Simmons. Russell Simmons. Yep. So I'm just kind of like just browsing through, looking for like something to watch, and I saw Def Comedy Jam. So I just clicked on it, you know, for the hell of it, just to see what what what's you know what's what's good. And it turns out that they basically have the entire collection from back from the early 90s i mean specifically in 1992 and it's literally every single big comedian that you can think of when they first got their start uh, dave chappelle kevin hart uh the hughley cedric the entertainer bernie mac and the list goes on and 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 on but i mean it's fascinating to see all the to hear all these comedians like when they first like started out but what's more fascinating to me was the content that they, you know, that they, that they put on, and it's just, it's fucking, it's fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy. Like that's the best way I can describe it. You know, but half of the shit that they say, you can't even like fathom to say that into this society, into this world, because you'd be committing career suicide. Because we live in a world where everyone is just easily offended. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's it's so much easier to offend than it is to entertain these the, days. Like the you only, know? like Abdel, the only venue where I've seen people um, can do this and get away with it is is when comedians are migrating with other comedians. Let's say that, right. let's say there's a party and it's all, all comedians, or let's say uh, I use Joe Rogan. You know, that's my my podcast idol. Um, yeah. Let's say he has like a watch party, like UFC. He has something called Fight Companion, where like four mm. or five of them get in the same room and they they're watching the fights a little bit, <laughs> and um, uh. but they're just talking shit. And some of the things, listen, that's not that that podcast, that Fight Companion is not for, like you said, that's not for everybody. No. You know, because the shit that everyone in the room is laughing at, it's just like. No, it's not. Um, but you know what? You know what else the podcast does, though? The Fight Companion does? The Fight Companion allows people to be honest with each other. 
right? Of course. If a comedian says it in a certain way, in a certain context, guess what? People are not going to laugh in front of their friends who they're afraid might be no, offended of course. by. They're laughing of their course. fucking asses off, dude. They are laughing their asses off, dude. And of um and for me, the, you know, the purpose of this podcast is started as a um as a volleyball podcast and now I'm I'm branching off uh because I did my um 10 volleyball player commitment. I'm on episode 27, so just trying to get some interesting people on theater performers, right. theater performers, actors, uh, and of course Famous DJs. So, uh-huh. um, so listen, <laughs> yo, before I, t- I take the steering wheel and drive us both off the cliff, um, how are you handling the, the, um, the quarantine? You're in New York, right? You're in the Upper, upper East Side? Uh, upper I'm, upper, I'm upper right East Side? In, I'm in the Upper East Side. I'm right in the Manhattan. I'm right in Manhattan. I'm right in the middle of it all. Um, I can't really, uh, I don't, I don't want to say I can't go outside. It, I can't go outside. I don't want to go outside. It doesn't make sense to go outside. Yeah. Um, there's nowhere to go. So I try to keep like my leaving my apartment to a bare minimum. You know, it's like, unless I really need to go, it's mostly just like grocery runs, which I do like once a week, once every two weeks, you know what I mean? And like, if I had like to pick up something or whatever, an emergency went, but you know, once in a while, maybe like I'll go for a walk. Cause there, I have a bridge on, um, about where I live that takes me to Randall's Island. It's a nice little five minute walk. And yeah. then, you know, it's, 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 I mean, you've been to Randall's Island. It's, There's it's a, a golf, golf. Is that the place with the golf course? Um, I don't know if they have golf courses, but I know they do a lot of music festivals there. Ooh, it's okay. right between Manhattan. The, the bridge that you take to go there is yeah. right on 102nd and the FDR drive. Yeah, I know. You can I'm literally definitely walk not. right through there. And the, the good thing about it is that, like, I feel like not many people know that you can actually just walk there so it doesn't get as crazy busy as like central park for example or like prospect park so a lot of people go biking there go walking around and stuff but it's not as crowded as like all the other parks so i try to like go to go there like maybe once a week once twice a week at most you know just just feeling it out man like we're not there's no book to read about what's going on right now we're all just like live in history and we're just kind of like coping with everything as we go you know what i mean there's no there's there's no good or bad decisions anymore i feel you're just kind of just doing things and you know if it's good it's good if it's bad it's bad you learn from it and you move on but you know it is what it is you know you, you there's only so much you can do to uh to prepare so at the end of the day you just kind of roll with the punches yeah man no doubt dude um so unprofessionally um since this is a global pandemic and i know i understand you go to england a couple of times a year you go to brazil a couple of times a year you go to vegas and clean out or whatever um so professionally you're 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 on um a forced sabbatical (laughs) right oh yeah is that the the proper term (laughs) clubs were the first thing that closed clubs i mean clubs you know it's obviously the very they were like at the bottom of the list in terms of uh essential venues um clubs were the first thing that closed and clubs will probably be the last thing that will reopen if you think about it um just because you know it's there's a lot of risk and the, actually, two people, the two people that I know that got um, the coronavirus were both bartenders, believe it or not. Yeah. So Yeah, Bernard got it. To, yeah. So that goes to show you that the, the, the risk of getting infected in the world of nightlife is obviously much higher than just anything else, anywhere else. Yeah. Just so, yeah, right now, 
I ain't DJing, I ain't doing shit. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say I ain't doing shit, but I am definitely not DJing. I've done a couple of live streams where I've, like, done, uh, I recently just did one for my birthday. I did a couple before that to kind of, like, test the waters. But it was really fun. I really enjoyed doing it on my birthday because it was kind of, like, a good reason for all my friends to tune in. And, you know, some people were, like, sending me um, money on Venmo, like, making requests and whatnot. But there were a lot of limitations on it. Um, I, I wasn't able to, like, do a stream longer than 45 minutes because um, Instagram like kind of like kicks you off after 45 minutes. And then also there were a lot of limitations of what I could play because every time I play like a commercial song that has like well-known vocals or, uh, or, yeah. or B and Instagram will kick, will copyright kick me off problem. the copyright yeah. fringe, which is crazy if you think about it because um, like, it's not like I'm making money through that stream. I'm not, you know what I mean? So I'm still trying to understand the logic behind it. Um, I don't know. Well, the, the I, I really, here, really here's don't. the thing. The logic is not um, that there's a human being monitoring these things. There's a program. There's like an, um, right. uh, I don't know if the word algorithm is appropriate, but, but the, same, the same thing with Facebook. Let's say um, I'm coaching my team, right? Or one of my teams yeah. or whatever, and I'm taping the match. And some, some yeah. asshole, some asshole, um, with a radio, you know, decides he wants to watch the game and he sits there and he got the radio and he's playing the music. Now, yeah. they're, now they're trying to block my video in some countries and worldwide because they think I'm using their song to promote my video. And I'm like, no, there has to be some kind of law or some kind of thing that circumvents. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? There has to be some kind of law passed or some kind of legislation yeah. that says, um, and, and it is it is actually a law. It's um, Fair Use Act. Um, um, at, um, it's called incidental capture. Incidental yeah. capture is not copyright infringement, but the the yeah. computer or the program that they use to shut down or or or, or split monetary rights because that's what YouTube right. does. They they want to split the difference or just take monetary rights altogether. Um, which which at this point I just let them have. Okay, I just want want my videos up. You know, I'm making yeah. I'm making some money, but I ain't getting rich off of it. Not not yet. Yeah, of course. Um, so it's um. Incidental capture is not copyright infringement, and right. when you submit when you um, submit your dispute, sometimes they kick it. They're like, "You're right," and then sometimes they're like, "Oh, we check with the guy who made the claim, and the claim says, and and he disagrees." And I'm like, "Yeah, okay, so because he disagrees, you're just gonna take his side? What? Yeah, yeah, what, 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 yeah, what the fuck? Concept. That <laughs> doesn't make any sense. But here's here's the other here's the other part of the of the issue is that." Okay, if I do a live stream and I play a song by Post Malone or Rihanna or Beyonce, you kick me off for copyright infringement. But at the same time, if I take a video of myself, you know what I mean? Yeah. With either music playing on the background or even more, I can take a video of myself or of something and post it on social media, on, on Instagram. But before I post it, I can mute it and then I can add my own song on top. Right. So what's the difference? I don't. I mean, the difference you is they, the difference I mean? is they're not fucking with you because they don't recognize the song. That's, you know, Abdel, you have songs. Instagram. You have songs. Uh, you gave me songs. You give me music every year, and this is my boy, Abdel. Yeah. You give me songs every year, and I have songs people can't even find on Shazam. Okay, I did. No, uh, I did a top ten plays from Man the Manhattan Beach Open, like a top ten plays. And, yeah, and I used one of your songs. That I had to email you and ask you who the artist was because yeah. you mixed you mixed your own musical accompaniment with um well, some, yeah, with mean, some bars from the artist. Yeah, I mean, as of right now, I have yet to make any original music, but I have had like a couple of remixes and edits 
which I, I've I've been like kind of you know using it as a as a stepping stone to make yep. original music. Like I feel like before you make original music, you want to try to uh, kind of be exposed to as many different genres and different types and different sounds as you can, because that kind of like helps you develop your own sound. You know, like most most successful artists, they have a sound. Like you could literally either hear their voice if it's a singer or hear the beat if it's a, 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 like a producer and you could tell who it is just from the vibe that the song has. Yeah. Cause you, like, like if I tell you, uh, uh, music produced by Timbaland or Dr. Dre, you already think Eminem or Missy Elliott, you know, I mean, respectively, because, and then they, they have like a, like a specific sound that kind of like distinguishes their, 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 their art. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm, that's where I'm at now. Like as far as music goes, um, at it, I'm trying to find my sound and it sounds a, like it's a lot harder than it sounds Yeah. because, because I'm not trying to sound like everyone else. You know what I mean? It's very easy to, to just kind of like follow on someone else's footsteps, but there comes a time where you kind of like, all right, I want to make music, but you know what? I want to make music that represents who I am. Yeah. That's, you know what I mean? That this, I want, I want to make music that I know when people hear, they're going to know it's me without even having to Shazam it. Yeah, it's got, your, it's got your signature. To look and see what the, who the artist is. Yeah, it's got you know, your signature. That's, that's, Exactly. And uh, it just has like a certain vibe to it. You know, it's not a, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's not, it's not that easy. It takes time. It takes, it takes, it takes years to believe believe it or not, but Hey, you got to start somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Um, And believe it or not, and this is going to probably going to come, you know, as a little bit of a shock to you next month, I'm actually, actually celebrating 10 years as a career DJ. And I mean like full-time DJ, not really making income doing anything else. Uh, this month, next month, it's going to be 10 years since I started, which is crazy because I still see myself as a beginner. But 10 years, I would say, like 10 years doing something that kind of like takes you out of like the beginner realm. But I've always kind of, you know, I always, I like to always look at myself as a beginner because then I always give myself room to grow. And I always give myself room to get better. Fucking Moroccans, you know I mean? man. Man, I hate yeah. you. I hate you motherfuckers, man. <laughs> you, <laughs> you work so hard. Let me tell you something. Every time I think, as far as coaching opportunities, I get passed up or like, like I, as you know, I've been, I've been doing some color commentary for volleyball here in California. I did um, yeah. I did um, some of their uh, Pepperdine's home games and this and that for beach volleyball. And sometimes when, you know, when you feel like you pass the test, whether you got a 65 or you got a hundred yeah. um, and you feel like it's your turn and you get passed up for someone that you think you're more deserving than I always, I spent a lot of time feeling sorry for myself. Like, dude, I've been doing this for, for whatever, you know, and I worked fucking hard at this. What the hell, you know, what the hell's everybody's problem? And then I see you, this, yeah. this fucking dude from, from Morocco who, who came to Brooklyn uh, uh, via high school or whatever. And you've been mm. grinding Dude, you've been hit. Yeah. You've been hitting it so hard. It makes some of these, and I, I hate to use American kids and this and that, but it makes some people who think they work hard say, "You know what? I don't think yeah. I'm gonna have that conversation in front of this guy." Yeah, <laughs> I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna cry on someone else's shoulder because when it comes to you and working hard, if they're looking for sympathy, yeah. it's in the dictionary between shit and syphilis. <laughs> well, the thing is. I don't think it's so much about hard work anymore. I think like the best way I could put it is like 
the harder you work, the less money you make. The smarter you work, the more money you make. Agreed. You know what I mean? Like, if you're just, like, out there busting your ass, putting in hours and hours and hours, but you're not, like, progressing, you're just kind of stuck doing a, in this Doing like, a running loop. man. Doing a running yeah, man. Yeah, you're chasing paychecks. And I don't care if your paycheck is $100,000. If you're just, like, if you're not... If you're not constantly, and I'm going to use a very important word that that's going to lead to a whole, you know, that's going to bring us back to the foundation of our of our friendship is like people need to evolve. You know what I mean? And if you're not constantly evolving in your life, it it doesn't matter what you do. You have to always evolve. You have to constantly find a way to either make yourself better or you know try to find a way to do things differently because that's how that's how that's how you become more more successful is you have to evolve and the problem is a lot i feel like a lot of people have a fear of evolving because they look at it as change they look at it as different they look at it as being difficult and uh, i'm good i'm good where i am in my own little box in my own little house whatever but then what what what's the point of living life if you're not constantly, you know? I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, just because you're trying to evolve, it doesn't mean you're going to succeed. But as long as you're trying and you're making an effort, you know what I mean. I think, yeah. I think it just gives life a much better purpose. I also think, it, Abdel, it has to be consistent with what you actually want in life. Let's say somebody reached something they consider the plateau and they found this little comfort the spot where they're comfortable and they don't right. and they don't really want to move from there and if that and if that's what makes them happy good yeah but i'm, I'm we're talking i think what you're talking about is the overwhelming contradiction contradiction where people think they um they should they appreciate but they think they deserve more and that's where mm -hmm. I think the evolution, uh, the constant evolution happens, right? We ain't talking about a yeah. revolution. We're talking about an evolution. <laughs> evolution. Yeah, a exactly. slow, grinding, pride-swallowing, inconvenient change that that's yeah. supposed to, result, uh, to produce uh, good results where you're a better version yeah. of yourself. Totally get yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Totally get that. I mean, that. the way when I look at it, like, not, sometimes I like to step back and just, like, look at what the hell I've done with my life. You know what I mean? And... It's been, it's been it's been a pretty good run the way I see it because I've never really had a job per se, you know what I mean. I don't. I I, I also never really you know studied music. Believe it or not, I'll give you like a quick little rundown. My first job ever when I was seventeen years, sixteen or seventeen, I worked at a clothing store, basically folding clothes and selling selling clothes. And then from and for me, it wasn't really a job. Because as a teenager, like I wanted clothes and I knew working at a clothing store at a clothing store, I'll get, you know, I used to get like 40% off. So for me, yeah, I was very working, but I didn't really look at it as work. You know what I mean? Because I'm in this establishment where I get to like, you know, build my closet collection at a much this at a very good discounted price. And at the same time, you know, I get to interact with people and meet a lot of cute girls because they all yeah. used to come in and whatever, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, hey, listen, it is. But then I remember one day uh, this guy comes not, in. Nothing like Brooklyn girls, babe. Yeah. Nothing like walks in. best girls in the world. Nothing like Brooklyn yeah, girls. Of course. This guy, this guy walks in one day, and he's like, yo, I'm really, I'm trying to get a pair of socks. And I kind of like talk him up. Next thing you know, he's leaving with socks, a pair of shorts, a bunch of T-shirts, a hoodie, and a jacket. So, like, I kind of like, 
you know, got him to spend more money. And when he gets to the register to pay, he like turns and looks at me and goes, wait a minute. I came in here to buy socks. How did you get me to buy all this shit? I'm like, I didn't get you to do anything. I was just making suggestions and you were just following along. So he was really impressed with my, with my selling skills. So he was like, you know what? I want you to come work for me. I I'm the manager at Radio Shack up the block. Remember Radio Shack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, I think most of them are like out of business now. But this yeah, was right. like when they were when they were at their peak. Yeah, they were. You know I mean? They were you survi- any, They were one of the last anything. survivors of the uh, electronics of course, franchise yeah. wars. Yeah. I, I, they're they're like they were the last survivor. They're basically the last survivors from the um, the blockbuster generation. You know what I mean? They they lasted as long as they could, but eventually Amazon just just crushed them. So I basically switched over and started working with him at his store. But at the same time, I also didn't work, look at it as work because why? I'm working at Radio Shack, and he put me in charge of, like, the computer section, which to me, growing up as a nerd, you know, for me, computers were, like, it's everything. Like, I, the, the fact that I get to work in computers and sell computers and fix computers and all this stuff. There were even days where, like, he'll make me come in and help him with, like, customers that needed to buy computers, and I'd be off. He literally like call me like come up to me like yo can you stop by real quick because Radio Shark was literally like three blocks away from my house like, can you just stop by I need your help with something so I worked there for a couple of months and then I remember there was a, a Taekwondo school that opened nearby and my mom convinced me to like go back and start training again since I had taken a break from when I used to train when I was young back home in Morocco so training Taekwondo led to me teaching Taekwondo so then I left Radio Shack. And then this is all before I even turned 21. This was all before I even like stepped in, foot inside the nightclub or seen a DJ or anything like that. Um, but I remember turning 21 and then going, starting to go into clubs. And then it's like a whole new world to me. You know what I mean? And then I started, next thing you know, I mean, I've always been social. I've always been the type of person that, you know, likes to be surrounded by a lot of people and likes to get people to come out and do things in a group. So that led to me being a club promoter. And then the club promoting eventually led to DJing, you know what I mean? And it's so weird because when I think back, I, I don't have a musical background. I've never played an instrument. I don't know how to sing. I mean, you've done karaoke with me many times, you know, damn well. No, I have no, no, I have no voice, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, could, I could drink all I want. The best I could probably pull out would probably be like an Eminem verse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yo, I'm, so, come on, you, you're murdering some Eminem, though, back in the day. Oh, stop it. Yeah, she, but see, but, she, but hey, let me, let me give you a fun fact, actually, a little little spoon trivia for you. The very ahead. first class, the very first class I ever failed in my life was my sophomore year in high school, which was also my first year in America, and it was music. I failed <laughs> music, and then I went on to become a DJ. I mean, granted, I did fail music because I didn't speak English very well, but nonetheless, the very first and probably the last class I ever failed was music. Yeah, and you're like you ain't with that failing shit. <laughs> yeah, I was like I don't I don't know what. And plus, I had this teacher. I remember him very. I, I think his name was Mr. Cohen, and he literally used to talk so goddamn fast. And coming from Morocco, like I mean, I did study English a little bit, but yeah. and with the accent too. You, you went to New you, Utrecht, you, right? Yeah, you can learn English all you want. When you go to Brooklyn, they don't speak English over there. It's just not. It's not English. They speak Brooklynese or something because you could be yeah. you could be like proficient from another country in English. You go to Brooklyn, you are not going to be able to communicate for the first couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But, I mean, it was always a fast learner, so I picked it up pretty quick. 
<laughs> you know what I tell my friends? I'm like, my, I'm like, um, they they come to me and they're like, can you um tell me how you say in Brooklynese? Um, can you repeat that? Can you say that again? And I was yeah. like, I was like, yeah, sure. What'd you what'd you fucking say? <laughs> what'd you say? Or say what? Say what? Yes. Say what? Say who? <laughs> say who? Now Brooklyn has its own mm. it's it's its own lingo. It's, yeah. I, I remember I remember like as a kid, like well, probably like seventeen, eighteen, I traveled. I went to Montreal yeah. with my parents, and they 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 speak French and English up there, but they don't speak French like the French, and they don't speak English like Americans or like or or like England. They have kind of like their own dialect over there. Okay. And I remember like going into a store and like talking to the sales rep, and he just li- heard one sentence come out of my mouth. He goes, "Are you from Brooklyn?" I'm like, oh my God, how did you know? That is like very specific. He's like, I can tell from your accent you have a Brooklyn accent. Yeah. And, and the crazy thing like, is wow. when people say you have a Brooklyn accent, Abdel, um, Brooklyn depends on where you are. I mean, Flatbush of Avenue. Course. Flatbush Avenue, they're not talking the same way people are in Bensonhurst or Bay Ridge. Nope. Right? Nope. And I lived in both neighborhoods. They do not. All right, I give, you, I give you a good impression of Bensonhurst. All right? um, and I use my boy Andrew Dice Clay. It's like, excuse me, pal, you know what time it is? It's like... Why, yeah. why, why you can't afford your own fucking watch? <laughs> yeah. What do I look yeah, like, big? Exactly. What do I look like, big fucking Ben to you? <laughs> Go yeah. fuck yourself. Your it's a lot of, a, it's a lot of, of tell you that? <laughs> it's a it's a lot of Italian Americans in Bensoner, so you know you. It's a very different. They're very different lingo than than in Flatbush. You know, Flatbush. It's it's a lot more. You know, African American, Hispanic, a lot of Arabs. You know what True. I mean? Whereas Bensonhurst was like, was like a lot of Italian Americans, yeah. a lot of Flatbush. Armenians, well, I grew up on Flatbush. Albanians, yeah. a lot of lot of more yeah. European, you know. Yeah, and it well, was it was two completely different lingos. Yeah, Flatbush was predominantly West Indian when I grew up there. Uh, Jamaica, Haiti, uh, yes. childhood friend yeah. from you know Trinidad and Tobago, um, yeah. Belize, Barbados. A lot of lot of um lot of Middle Eastern too, like we're in the area by um. But where I where I was on Simple's place in Caton by the by Church Avenue, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of middle, a lot of Middle Eastern, a lot of. Uh, I mean, Middle Eastern was kind of they all, they, got, they have that whole deli, grocery deli thing on lockdown. You know I mean? <laughs> yep. Like, anywhere you go, it's like yo, the Habibi store is always going to be you know the only place you can go, and the 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 deli is not going to be owned by a Middle Eastern is if you go to like Spanish Harlem or like Washington Heights. Then yeah, it's true. like a little bit of. Puerto Ricans and Dominicans, yeah. uh, which is where I live now, or by 101st in the Upper East Side. Um, yeah, no, uh, yeah, God. I mean it's it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a whole different culture up here yeah, compared listen. to. But it's it's actually it's 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 changed a lot. It's def, it's definitely getting uh, to be a little bit more mixed now, especially with the Q train now going up to 96 and second. Yes, it, it 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 encourages people to live uptown a little bit more, and plus. The city is just so goddamn expensive to live in Midtown. So, so on, so on Church Avenue, that used to be a movie theater. I think what um, I don't know if it's like a, fur- a furniture or a clothing store anymore. It's, it's close to um, Church and Flatbush. Um, mm-hmm. Used to be called the Kenmore Movie Theater, and everybody would go there just to get high. Like my father, yeah. my father took me there to see like a, one of the Indiana Jones movies, and we all came like me, my sister, and him came out buzzed from the contact. It was just ridiculous. So that was the one near Erasmus High School. Um, if you know what I'm t- uh, the area, you know what I'm talking about. It's like a big, yeah. it's like yeah, a big yeah, yeah, yeah. awning. Looked like it used to be a theater. Speaking of movie theaters, I actually heard a rumor that um, AMC theaters might be going out of business. 
I think that's ridiculous. I think they're the ones that have been making all the money. I think they're the ones that did the 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 movie chairs, like the bucket recline recline seat seats. I mean, if they go out of business, right, right. if they go out of well, business, I think I'm done with movies. They spoil me rotten, like, my dude. Believe it or not, but like as a whole, people don't go to the movies like they used to anymore. That's true. It's just not part of the culture. Like you remember, remember how like 86 and third used to have two movie theaters. Yes. Yeah, one went out of business like a couple months ago before this whole Corona stuff. The one that was, was on the south side, now. right? I don't. I, I think the one. It was the one on. Uh, it was kind of like between second and third. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, the yeah. the one on the south. That, the, one, that one closed. The one south closed side. The one that was near the Cold Stone. Almost a year ago. Yep. No, yep. but this just goes to show you. I mean, the whole idea of like having two movie theaters pretty much next to each other never really made sense but it, it it lasted for as long as it did because people would go to the movies regardless and plus they also always showed different movies they never overlapped but i guess eventually you know i i, I mean I, I blame it on rent i feel like a lot of people don't can't really have there's so many people like going out of business in the city because in manhattan because they just can't afford they can't afford the rent anymore. The other day I was on 60, this was a couple of months ago. I was on 67 in Madison and I just stood in the corner and just from like, just looking from that corner with my eyes, I counted eight closed businesses. And that's like prime real estate, 67 in Madison. That's, 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 that's like the heart of the Upper East Side. Yeah. You know what I mean, that's, that's, the, that's that old money. Yeah, and, it's Bergdorf Goodman money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that 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 area, man, this and God, God only knows what's gonna happen after this because I feel like any business that was struggling, any business that was like just barely getting by, after being closed for so long, for so long, I can't even imagine how they're gonna be able to reopen. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, seems like this country country's not prioritizing them. They, they, you know, a couple of trillion for Wall Street. I mean, we could bail out the big businesses, but that's a whole another yeah. story. That's a whole another story. Yeah. 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 So, so listen. <laughs> here's a cool thing about Flatbush when we were talking about neighborhoods. Like, if you go to a bakery, and you ask for mm -hmm. a beef, you could. They sell beef patties at bakeries. Beef patties with cocoa yeah. bread. That's how I got fat. Um, but. And people that are going to Flatbush, be very, very careful about the difference between a bakery and an actual restaurant, okay? Yeah. Like, I went to a Jamaican restaurant, and, you know, it was around lunchtime or whatever, and the place was kind of empty, and I was like, do y'all sell beef patties here? Yo, and she got so tight, man. She said, boy, she said, boy, she said, bumble clock, there ain't, ain't no beef patty here, ain't no bakery. Yeah, right. And I was like, ah. the fuck? Yeah, boy, get taught me all. See, ain't no bakery, yeah? no, no dumb beef, yeah. no dumb beef patty. And I was yeah, like, you can, you yeah, and you know what, I, you know what, you know what I said while I left. You know what I said while I left. I was like, yeah, no wonder this place is empty. She said, you white scunt. I was like, shit. She got tight. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's bakery. It's like, you go there for a snack. You don't go there for a meal. You know, but. <laughs> I, 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 I'll be perfectly honest with you. Like, I mean, being a DJ in New York, I mean, I was lucky, fortunate enough to be invited to eat at all the fucking fancy, fancy restaurants and whatnot. I will never, ever, ever, like, if it's up to me to choose, yeah. I will always choose the holes in the wall over, like, the fancy restaurants. 
just because I, I like good food and good food is like you got you got to go to the little spots you know you got to go to the you know I mean you remember when we used to play well, volleyball the food we, the- had, we had a list we had a list of spots that we used to always go to you know what I mean we had, we, we, we had yeah. a Monday spot we had a Tuesday spot remember like like Mondays every time we used to go to Solas for karaoke we would always go by that um that Chinese food place on the way. Yeah, that was a good um, spot, dude. You know and mean? that was a we, that was a hole in the wall, right? That was a takeout every, joint. Exactly, and we would literally like take out the food and bring it with us. My favorite used to be was we would always go to the parlor, but we would always wait until the 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 kitchen, kitchen closed. So we can come in and bring our pizza with us and whatever. That's right. Hey, for those of you that are listening, that's that's a goal. That's a rule. If this if a, if a bar and a and a grill or a pub has a restaurant and the kitchen closes, you're allowed to bring outside food in because the kitchen's closed. They ain't gonna say anything. Yep. So so that's the that's big right. secret for all y'all night owls. You know. We 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 took full advantage of that. I mean, we're also regulars. When I say regulars, I'm talking twice a week, every week for like what four or five years. You know what I mean? So that we kind of got away with a lot of stuff that most people didn't. I mean, they used to let us play spades in the back. You know what I mean? Bringing our food. That, that was kind of like our spot. I'm proud. I think they, they sponsored well, that was our sponsor. our one year, right? That was our volleyball sponsor. Yeah. Um, that that had a, But that had a lot to do with you. And um, it was you, either you and Kenny or you and someone else. Like we talked up the owner, right? And the owner wrote a check for like half of our um, fee. Yeah. Um, sorry for no, people listening. Sorry, hold on. Hold on. Let me bring people up. Bring people up. New York. Um, for people listening, New York Urban Professional is a volleyball league that actually sports a good Division One men's division and a good Division um, One women's division, where you just have this group of people who are like semi-pro or people who are former NCAA stars living in New York. Um, it's a league uh, that was started as working professionals, so the the fee to play for a season is rather pricey. So if you if you're like me and Abdullah that time where I was a full-time student at Marymount Manhattan and you, you were just coming up, um, you were still a pup. Um, it costs a lot of money. So you have to find sponsors. So we would frequent this place called the parlor on 86th street um, between Broadway and West end that we actually got the owner, John, we kind of talked him up and he wrote like, we were trying to get him to cover our whole season. Right. And he wrote a check for half. Mm. He wrote a check for half the season, but, and this this one I'm gonna bring you in in a minute, but this the first night we played our first match, we brought so many people that night, and it was karaoke night that night. In fact, it was a Wednesday, yeah. right? We brought so many people that night. John just cut the uh, the second check and, and just paid for the whole thing, you know. Yeah. And I think it was you and Kenny was like, dude, man, you you didn't have to do you didn't have to do us like that. Don't dangle a carrot and you know if we say yeah, we're, yeah, if we say yeah, we're gonna bring yeah, business, we're like- gonna bring business, man. Don't be dangling a yeah. carrot in front of us to follow yeah. at the end. So sorry, go ahead. I bring but it to you. To his defense, though, he was never really there. You know what I mean? Like I, I can count on one hand the number of times I've actually seen him there in person. You know what I mean? But he, he, I guess he just wanted us. He just wanted to see results before, before he uh, committed to the full thing. But yeah, it was funny because I mean there, there were times where like the parlor would be dead slow, and then we'd walk in, cause, and it'll be like ten, fifteen of us, and the next thing you know, you know, because you know how it is. You walk into a bar. You see, you don't find anyone. If you don't see anyone, you're going to leave. We yeah. walk in. We didn't care if there were people or not because we always walk in a squad. And then the next thing you know, as people start trickling in, as the night goes by, 
Um, you know, then then all of a sudden they turn a, a slow night into a good busy night. Yeah. Just because the squad of fifteen hungry drunk volleyball players just walked in. Yeah, well, the cool the cool thing is, look, when you have twenty people that are dropping thirty three hundred dollars in a in a pub. Now, I'm not I'm not yeah. talking about like you're the resident DJ at Lavo and you're at Marquee. I'm not talking no, about. I'm not. But I'm not talking. What's that? I said back then we didn't we did not have like money to be spending like that. We all kind of just like leaned on each other. Like you got this this time, I got it next time. Yeah. You know what I but mean? no, but the people we brought in that first night. There was oh, basically sure, yeah. there's sure. basically twenty people that spent thirty three hundred dollars, and that yeah. almost tripled, or, or two and a half times as much as what our fee cost to play New York Urban Professional Volleyball. So, yeah. um, and again, I'm not talking about a club scene where some Wall Street guy drops twenty grand, you know, for bottles and services. This is a lot of money for a restaurant and a pub. Yeah, on, on, on a dead drink. night. Yeah. On a dead night. Hold on a second. On a dead night after eleven o'clock. On a dead yeah. night after eleven o'clock, three thousand three hundred dollars in an hour. You're, that's not that doesn't yeah. happen in rest in restaurants and pubs in New York, and that sure as fuck don't happen in California. Who they don't they ain't even open after eleven o'clock. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one thing I like about the parlor is that it could be one customer; they would still stay open till four a.m. no matter what. Uh huh. Yep. You would never like. And plus, if I remember correctly, it was like the only bar on like a ten block radius in the Upper West Side. There was, there was, there was, there were really no other bars in that area or, or the area on Eighty Six and Broadway. Well, there, know, there were no bar, same. there were no bars and pubs. Like if yeah. you if you went to Amsterdam or whatever, you you, you got um, Prohibition, you got Alligator Alley. Um, yeah. If you go Seventy Seventh Street, that's that's up that's ten blocks, maybe nine blocks. Uh, Brother Jimmy's. Yeah. Um, but those are those are not the mixture. Of, we're, we're talking no. about a, an awesome Scottish pub. The parlor is really the shepherd's pies. Yo, shepherd's pies. I had pies one of my awesome. here's, 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 uh, here's the fun part. I had one of my twenty first birthdays there. <laughs> one of <laughs> one of my twenty first birthdays was there. Um, and I remember I remember the day. I think the, the first time I go there, being twenty one. Big Mo goes, oh, I heard it's your birthday. I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, happy birthday. How old are you now? I'm like 21. He goes, what the fuck? <laughs> you've been coming here for like two years already. How I'm many like, years wow, you've been 21 years old? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Remember that drink, the most special that he used to make? Yeah. It just... He would literally just like put every single type of liquor that he sees in front of him and then adds like cranberry and orange juice and goes, here, drink this. And you yeah. always like put it in that big ass beer yeah. mug. Listen, it ain't for everybody, all right? That takes years off of people's life. For me, Absolutely. I think for me, I think it, it gave was, me a life extension. And for Eater, that was yeah. like giving Popeye spinach, you know? That shit so. was just as bad and that shit was just as strong as like a Long Island, mm. basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Did you uh did you see they move that's switching topics really quickly? They moved the uh the date for the Ferguson fight. Yeah, they did. I think Disney Disney came in and just shut that shit down. Disney was like, listen, we're Disney. We're supposed to do things that are politically correct. And, and you know, having having yeah. a, a combat sport on the Disney Channel enough is already risque. So yeah. they're just trying to keep it neat and clean for Eugene. So what do you think of that? I, um, on, my sh on my show, Sports Debate Tuesday, we were talking about good. Was it a good idea or a bad idea? And I said a good idea. What do you think? What are you talking about? Um, like Dana tried to make it happen and I'm, I yeah, was totally, yeah, no, I they tried to make it happen. Yeah. 
But do you think it was a good idea for Disney to, to pull rank and shut it shut it down? I think everything everything like that. I think it needs to be risky. It's too risky, man. It is. Uh, you know what I mean? That you could you could call Disney the bad guys, but like Dana was like pushing for that fight to happen a little bit too hard. I mean, here's the thing. I understand what he's trying to say. All people need entertainment. But at the same time, he knows that we, we both know it's all about fucking yeah. money. He knows he knows damn well if he puts it was about cards. but it was about paying his people. He's he he ain't he. I mean, he's already a billionaire right now. He, he ain't trying to no, get but rich. He, but, he, but here's the thing: when you when you're when you're as as rich as he is, and he's a businessman. Yeah. As a businessman, you're always gonna put business before everything else, and that includes personal feelings and health. You know what I mean? As a businessman, if you think there, if you believe that, you know, that there is an opportunity, you know, for you to make money. I mean, listen, if you put on a fight card in this, in this, in this, in this day and age, right, in this like situation that we're in, even people that don't normally watch UFC are going to buy it because they're just sitting at home, not doing anything. He was talking about like buying a fucking an island and doing the fights there. You know what I mean, and, 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 and the idea sounds great, but I'm sure when it came down to lo, the lo, logistics uh, of it, you know what I mean, it, uh, it 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 probably did not make sense. You know what I mean? So yeah, hold on one second, Su- hold on one second. Susan Metzo just joined, just just sent, giving her a shout out. <laughs> How about Ooh. that? How's that from a blast from the past? Susan Metzo just Ooh. joined us. Susan Metzo. Susan Mezzo! <laughs> Susan, just, Q. Susan um, since if you can hear us, just type in, make sure the mics are okay, because I've been having um, technical problems yesterday and today, the last 24 hours, and I would hate for me and Abdel to go through all of this, and the sound is fucked. So um, hopefully, Abdel, man, maybe you got a recording device that's recording on your end, and if it, <laughs> this gets messed up, I'll just I I'll combine them and chop them. I would have told but I didn't. You know what I mean? Maybe we can do that next time. Yeah. <laughs> Susan says, I can hear you. She says, I can hear you loud and clear. Oh, of course. Oh, Susan, man. God, the time period we're talking about. It's so uh, awesome that she just happens to be listening in because she, she, I think she was, she was a part of 80% of this. What do you mean? Oh, of course she was. Of Mm -hmm. course she was. I mean, uh, for people that don't know, Susan is my ex-girlfriend. We dated for, I think, almost two years. And she that has to know, be a record for you. Role. I she think that's a still a record. Is that still a record for you? Um, no, it's not a record, but <laughs> at the time it was a record. And it wasn't just that, it was the fact that like, you know, she 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 like, you know, she taught me how to be a man. I was a boy, I was a nineteen year old boy. You know what I mean? Here's the crazy part. Her and I are actually neighbors. We live literally like nine blocks away from each other, and I probably haven't seen her in like ten years. So it's going to be interesting when we run into each other because I know it's bound to happen eventually. You know what I mean? Yeah, no doubt. Um, so listen, let me s- s- drive the car. Let me take the steering wheel back to the beginning of the road uh, before yeah. we go too far. We were talking about, um, and I keep saying Uptown Comedy Club. It's not, it's Def Jam. Um, no, it's the Def Jam. So Def I Jam want Comedy. you to... Um, there go Sam Mack. Sam Mack says, hey, what's up, Stu? This is my homeboy. Um, that's my homeboy, Sam. Sam Mack. Remember Sam Volleyball? What's up, Sam? Lefty. Um, also, a guy named Will Grawley said, Joe Maz did a great job um, creating his own sound. If you know who Joe Maz is. I do. 
I do actually. I play a lot of his. Uh, I'm a big fan of his production. I play a lot of his stuff in my set. Believe it or not, he's uh, he's he's definitely you know he's uh, he, he's definitely on the list of like people that I really really you know um, enjoy in terms of like remixes and stuff. I'm still waiting for him to come up with some original work, but I would say he's definitely on the right track. He is. He's I would say Joe Maz is probably like. If I was to compare where I am right now and where he is, he's probably like three, three to four years ahead of me. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, which, which is which is uh, uh, a compliment to me because you know I'm still a beginner. You know, and his production hey. is like very, very top notch. Hey, listen. You know? There's some people that get to be Kobe Bryant, and there's some people that get to be LeBron James who's trying to catch up. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you're very much like LeBron James in the sense that if you've ever seen LeBron James play, just play uh, 82 games like basketball, the guy plays like he doesn't have a contract. Right. You know how some people yeah. they get their contract and they get their money? And I'm not saying they get their money and they stop playing, but there's this terrible coincidence where they got paid and their numbers aren't the same or their production isn't the yeah. same. LeBron James plays like he's playing for a contract. Yeah. <laughs> and that's you. You play. You DJ like like you're a beginner try, still, you know, still trying to make your way past some people and make your way to the top, so... So that's the best way I know how to describe that for some people. So listen, be, um, before we leave Def Jam Comedy completely, who are three funny comedians that come to your head that, that made you laugh when you watched it, when you watched it again? Oh, my God. It's, 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 that's going to be – it's his it's, it's thing. It's, a comp, it's hard to just name three, but if I was to – Like first three that came to your head, go. You have to see the Michael Jackson impression by Eddie Griffin. I did. Oh, my God. I was on the floor laughing. I was on the fucking floor laughing. There was that, the the Bernie Mac, the one where he's wearing, like, the really colorful pants, when he goes, you don't understand. I ain't scared of you, motherfuckers. <laughs> that was that. Uh, I really enjoyed They're going to go that out. one. All right, that's number one. And then, and I have to, I mean, it's, uh, those two kind of come to mind right away, like when I think of the comedy jam. But the person that actually, like, makes the show, you know, a whole, and you wouldn't be able to do the show without him, is obviously the host, Martin Lawrence, yeah. which I think that was, like, some of his best work. To the point that I remember when he wanted to leave, they asked Chris Rock to replace him, and Chris Rock turned it down. He said, I wouldn't be able to follow Martin Lawrence. You know what I mean? So, surprisingly enough, he was replaced by Mike Epps, which actually went on. I think and Joe, on Joe Torrey for a little bit. And Joe Torrey for a yeah, little bit. But Mike Epps kind of did, uh, did most of it, but he did, he did pretty good. He had kind of had his own, his own goofy style, you know what I mean? Like he, he's his like I, I, he's got like his own kind of uh, style where he's he like laughs at his own jokes, you know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas Martin Lawrence, I feel like oh, Martin Lawrence always finds a way to like make things. Sexual. All right, so you got Eddie Griffin, you got Martin Lawrence. Yeah. Who's your third? Bernie Mac. Bernie. Mac, oh shit! He's one of my favorite comedians of all time. You man. stole mine. <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> You, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, Eddie Griffin, 
Eddie Griffin, Bernie Mac, Martin Lawrence, but that's just deaf, deaf comedy, Jeff. All right, Those now these favorite. these aren't my favorite, but I'm um since we're prisoners of the moment right here, I'm gonna allow myself to be a prisoner of the moment, and um in no particular order, I'll just roll off three. Joe Torrey, who later became the host. Joe Torrey starts his skit off where he starts to the, how he warms up. He looks at people in the crowd and he'll talk to them or he'll start fucking with them. You know, he'll, yeah. be, he'll be like, you know, and this is what you were talking about, like how a joke isn't funny now, but it was funny before. He's like, look at this guy. Yeah. The guy look like a gay ass scientist <laughs> inventing dicks at yeah, home, yeah. you know? <laughs> and you know, he's, he, and the guy had like a bow tie or whatever. He's like with that civil rights suit. You're like, you're here for a fucking rally. <laughs> so the way he just started messing with people, I was just cracking up. And it was at other people's yeah, expense, yeah, yeah. but we terrible. all get the joke. Um, the second one was Bernie Mac. When Bernie Mac, nobody talks about relationships, long-term no. relationships from the beginning to the mid to, to years in like Bernie Mac, you know? He's yeah. like, you, you know, when you first get married, your wife is happier than a sissy with a bag of dicks. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> give, just, give, just giving it up by the pound, you know? He says, but now, oh, he said, years oh, later, though, you got to sneak up on it because pussy's like war. Yeah. You got to duck. You got to duck. And then when she turns around, you're like, so so that's my second one my third one is um shoot adele gibbons adele gibbons adele gibbons she crushes it adele gibbons is like you want to talk about she things that make people it. uncomfortable she's like yeah, god bless me she said god bless me with these lips for one or two reasons either to yeah. sing a song or suck a dick i was like <laughs> She said, it's 1993. I ain't scared to say it. I sucked the skin. <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> oh, oh, and she said, I see you looking at me. I'm not blowing you. <laughs> she said, that's like a whale eating a Tic Tac. <laughs> no, I'm not blowing you. <laughs> so so these, these are the comedians who are not necessarily my favorite ones, who are not necessarily even the funniest ones, but the ones that when they take the stage, they get you out of your comfort zone and back in to a, a place under that place. Abdel, hold on, hold on for a second. That place under a place where men and women get to meet and talk. Yeah. There's a place there's a place where me and you are politically correct in how we talk to each other when everybody's watching and how, you know, maybe there's kids listening and this and that. But there's a place, yeah. un but there's a place under that place. Where men, yeah. where men and women get to meet and talk, and that's fucking as old as the fucking stars, dude. And it's it's yeah. um, not practiced as much, but it's still there. And that's what it, that's what I thought comedians like that did best. Yeah. Who's your favorite comedian of all time? Can't answer that, man. But if you if you, uh, I would say uh, the first two to come to my mind are Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor. Talk about politically wow, incorrect. Cool. Talk about the the millennial generation that will listen yeah. to them and may or may not find it funny. Um, and Chris Rock, all uh, all of my three. It's crazy, all of them. I mean, psh, I guess no one does comedian comed comedy better than African Americans because. Um, and Andrew Dice Clay is my favorite non African American. Um, yeah. The reason why I like these comedians is because if you listen to Richard Pryor. He's offensive, but the way he, the the way he says it, and then the content, and how he uses his content is still funny. It's timeless. Yeah. Chris Rock, Chris Rock can get away with saying anything he wants, and he's yeah. still funny. So it's not yeah. necessarily what's offensive. It's it's about how it's delivered. It's about the, it's the um, demographic of people who are listening and the time they're listening to it. So. 
it's, it's always I, I, you could you could have the best material in the world in the world if you don't know how to like if you don't have good delivery you're not going to be funny like if you if you look go back and listen listen to all of Richard Pryor's stuff you would hear a lot of the jokes that you hear these days just told in you know the, the, everyone takes uh, everyone takes from Richard Pryor you know what I mean especially like uh, African American um, comedians but and everyone just kind of like delivers it in their own way which I, I think I think when it comes to delivery. The best of all time is Bernie Mac. Because I don't think Bernie Mac tells jokes. God Bernie rest Mac that man's soul, dude. He doesn't... He I mean, he just tells the truth and it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> He's literally just talking to you and the way he talks just makes things funny. Um, and, and, and I appreciate, like... I, I, I would definitely say I appreciate everyone that, like, kind of, like, took from Richard Pryor and made their own... Um, made their own style. My favorite comedian of all time is George Carlin. Um, <laughs> Just talk about telling talking about letting the truth set all of us free huh talk about yeah like he just tell, tells it how it is um i mean he's an atheist so without already kind of like broadened his spectrum spectrum of jokes nothing nothing is um nothing is off limit um but the the cool thing about him is that he actually got better with age like in the early in his career he was literally just doing impressions and then he finally like kind of like tapped into his own style after doing enough cocaine yeah you know what i mean you know he was born and raised in harlem um george carlin yeah george carlin yeah yeah i'm glad you brought that um, up though i read read an article the other day about the holy trinity of stand-up comedy and it's richard pryor george carlin and lenny bruce lenny Lenny bruce Bruce, i'm not familiar I'm not familiar with. Maybe you could tell me something about him, but it's. I think it's fascinating that you and I both picked two people who are considered uh, the holy trinity of stand-up comedy. Who's yeah, Lenny man. Bruce? I don't really know anything about him. Look, between the three of us, we both got Father, Son, and Holy Holy Ghost. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> leave it leave it up to those people to to decide which, what's what. But um, yeah. So um, the reason why I like these comedians is because. People um, today, no matter what generation, you could be 15 or 50, people are in denial on what they actually find funny, okay? Yeah. If you watch South Park, the, the shit that South Park produces is not only not only designed to offend or unnerve, but if mm-hmm. it were done by not animated people, <laughs> all right, if it was done in a drama, You'd you'd have people yeah. trying you'd have people trying to um to get rid of free speech, <laughs> all right. Yeah. So so the fact of the matter is people still find it funny. It's just about who it's delivering, who's delivering it, and how it's being delivered. You know. Yeah. I remember Chris Rock talking about uh the show Grey's Anatomy. The guy got fired. Some guy got fired for calling like one of his castmates a um uh the f word. I'll just say faggot. All right. Um, yeah. but Chris Rock was like, and how was it used in the context? All right. Yeah. Did he did he come up to him and say, "Good morning, faggot"? <laughs> you know, was it was it was it was it done that way? Um, yeah. Or were they having an argument? Because uh, Joe Rogan and Chris Rock both agree that if you're having an argument with someone, you should be able to say the one thing or two things that you know that will inflict the most emotional pain. <laughs> Of course. You arguing, you're supposed to argue, you name call, argue with someone all of and and think there's supposed to be rules? No. Yeah. Chris Rock said if that dude got one leg, <laughs> fuck you, you one legged bastard. <laughs> so, so funny. <laughs> uh, 
Oh shit, I'm getting a blur on my camera. Um, I'll fix it in a minute, but the sound's perfect. Um, so I think it's uh, the reason why we still find that funny is because of the talent uh, um, and the deliverer and the material being written and not just. Not just to um, not to mention Abdel stereotypes. There's a reason why a stereotypes yeah. call a stereotype because it's 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 supported by a heightened level of truth. Of course. All right. Absolutely. White men can't jump. That's that's actually racist. Okay. <laughs> but how many yeah. white guys do you see out there that got good vertical leaps? You have to. They're out there, but you have to look for them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. And I mean, I'm saying a racist thing, and and racist in in the classic sense of the word, I mean, someone that is that has the inherent belief that someone is superior or inferior based on their race. So basically, what I'm mm -hmm. saying right now is a racist thing. But at the same time, yeah. at the same time, ain't nobody gonna try to cancel my show for that. White men can't jump. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like I said black men can't work. <laughs> you know, yeah. or you know, or something that's that's politically incorrect. You know, um, yeah. and also um, not even wholeheartedly true. Uh, th that That's an example. Like black, I just said black men can't work. That's a stereotype that doesn't have a, a, a heightened support of truth to it. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're we're in a society where where they 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 they're working just as hard. They have a, they have the same resume and they're not getting hired. So yeah. that's not like that's not like a can't thing, and that's where uh, um, insensitive racism comes into play. Using using that yeah. as an example, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and listen to us, a couple of brothers, right? My mom's African American, <laughs> and you're from Morocco, <laughs> so you're as yeah, Afri exactly. you're as African yeah. as it gets. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's, it's just I think racism is just it's it's I actually find racism to be very fascinating because it's especially in America with 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 so many like to be racist it's so fascinating to me because it's like it's like what a waste of time <laughs> but, what a waste of time that's the best way you could put it what a waste of time like my my high school in brooklyn new utrecht we have 37 spoken languages i challenge anyone in the world to list me 37 languages right now off the back I can't. I can give you ten, uh, ten, and then I'd have to labor through it. That's what I'm saying. And not only did we have 37 languages, but we also had 37 different ways of speaking English, and that's the crazy part. Yeah. Yeah. We all got along. Of course, we all had our fights and our, you know, yeah. our disagreements and whatnot. You know, yeah. I mean? especially because I, I kind of, uh, I went to high school when September 11 happened. You know what I mean? So that was uh, that was a very uh, that was a very wild uh, time. Is that where you were? Is that where you yeah, were in September so I, was, I was in high school when it happened. And imagine going to a high school where there's so many different types of people. And if there was one way I can describe how everything was, and it was just confusion. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mass, Everyone mass was confused. confused. It's like no one, nobody knew who. Like people were mad. But like it's almost like they're mad, but they don't know who, who they um, who they should be mad at. Yeah. You know what I mean? Should you be mad at all the Arabs? No, you can't because no, 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 not well, not all the. Well, if you're a racist, you can, right? You yeah. know. Well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you're gonna be mad at Muslims? Well, guess what? A lot of Muslims are not Arabs, and a lot of Arabs are not Muslim either. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but like back home in Morocco, believe it or not. Um, 
the, obviously the, the, the most predominant religion we have is Islam, but the second most predominant religion is Judaism. It's not Christianity. There's not that many Christians in Morocco. No. Um, there is, it's very, very, and, very, very, very small. In the big, in the big cities, not, in the, what's the religious practice in the big cities? Is, is it, is it um, Islam? It is Islam, but it, I would say Morocco, it's definitely the least conservative country in the Arab world. I think it has to do a lot with its location, being the most Western Arab country and being the most Northern Western um, African country. So we're literally like 20, 30 miles away from Spain by boat. And we're also the closest country to the United States. So we take a lot from the U.S. and we also take a lot from, uh, from Europe. I mean, we were, we were a French colony for 44 years. So French was actually established as a second language. And when I say second language, I don't mean second language, like Spanish is a second language. No, yeah. we're talking back home, about... back home in Morocco, when yeah. you go to school, you learn every subject in Arabic and French. Like you learn grammar, Arabic and French, math, Arabic and French. You learn science in Arabic and French. So when you grow up, you grow up bilingual. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the key so... to being bilingual or trilingual, trilingual, whatever it is. But so you, but you also you speak learn. you speak French as well, right? Huh? You speak I French. Do. I speak Arabic French. I do, I speak Arabic French and English. Okay. Um, but I think in English. This is the crazy part now. Like I used to think in Arabic and in French. Now I think in English. Like when I when I think of things in my mind, I think of them in English. Yeah. Um, which is fascinating. That's how I was able. That's I was able to like perfect the language. I mean, I could still speak Arabic. I could still kind of write it and read it. Same thing with French. Um, my mom being, being a French professor, I have to maintain um, a good uh, a good French. Otherwise, I'll never hear the end of it. Yeah. But um, but when it comes to thinking in my head, I think in English. Yeah. Hold on. Um, which is so, kind of fascinating. Yeah. I remember, and when I first moved out of um, my parents' house when I was nineteen, um, I um, and my mom would call me and like. She will call me and like to like check up on me, and she'll leave me a voicemail. Remember those voicemails? Yeah. <laughs> she will leave Casey me a Jen voicemail. Is what's up. <laughs> she will Sorry. leave me a voicemail, and like she'll like her first voicemail will be like something in French. She'll be like, "Coucou, ça va? Comment vas-tu? Appelle-moi." She'll be like all cute and stuff. And like let's say I don't call her back after a day, she'll call me again and leave me a second voicemail. And it's like, "Hey, it's me. You know, I called you yesterday. You didn't call me back." Give me a call when you get a chance. So it's like a little bit more, you know, serious, you know. And then, of course, after like two, three days, if I still don't call her back and I get that um that phone call in Arabic, is that's when I know I'm in trouble. Yeah. You know, it, usually, <laughs> it usually starts off but with with a lot of cursing. But yeah. here's the crazy part. Now, when I sit down and I have a serious conversation with my mom, we talk in English. And when we talk in Arabic, it's usually to like joke around and stuff. You know what I mean? So it kind of like flipped. Like Arabic used to be like the serious language. Now Arabic is like the joking one. You know what I mean? So it's, 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 I, I find that to be like very interesting. Yeah, man. Hold up. Big up Casey Jennings. Listening to the show, Casey Jennings um, helped me enormously with volleyball guests from my podcast. So he's watching. Just giving him a shout out. It's Kerry Walsh's husband, multiple time AVP and FIVB champ. So 
Um, so listen, uh, let's get back to this 9-11 thing. You were at school. Were you in class when it happened? Of course. I was in class, and we could see the smoke from Bensonhurst. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Clear as day, I'm sure, right? We yep. could see that. New Utrecht High School, where you guys are? Yeah. I went to New Utrecht, where we're kind of like, I mean, there's not that many high buildings in Brooklyn, so you could see the smoke from all the way from South Brooklyn. Um, and I remember, I don't know if you remember, but like for a while, when you you would take the the train from Brooklyn to the city and you would be like crossing the bridge for like the first six months after September 11th, you could still smell um, uh, burning flesh Yeah, yeah. From, uh, from the train. Literally, as soon as like you're about to get into the city. Uh, that, well, that's why I asked, because where the wind's blowing, you know, like... Oh, it's Brooklyn, and and that yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Shit was crazy, and the crazy thing was that my dad was there the day before. My dad back then he used to work security for Verizon, and he used to uh, basically be the security for the guy that would go around collecting money from the payphones. And there was a, pay, a Verizon payphone on like the hundred floor or hundred first floor or something like that. And I remember my dad calling me. And the day before, he was like, yo, you really, because I've actually never been. I, I, we moved here in 2000. That first year, when when we moved here, my parents used to go and see, like, all the all the, 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 the monuments, the sightseeing, the uh, Statue of Liberty, Empire State Building, World Trade Center, blah, blah, blah. We used to go to do all that stuff. I was not interested in going all of, doing any of that. Um, I literally, I would literally just stay home. And as soon as they leave, I would literally take the train to Grand Army Plaza and go to the go to the um, New York Public Library and just like rent out VHS tapes and print out like fantasy um, Dragon Ball Z stories. I mean, I was like what fourteen, fifteen at the yeah. time. Okay. And I remember my mom would give me like ten dollars for lunch, but I, what I would do instead of spending the whole thing on lunch, I would literally go and buy a dollar pizza. Um, buy maybe like one or two slices and like with the other eight bucks I would go and buy like Dragon Ball Z VHS tapes and hide them under my bed oh my god dude <laughs> yeah I remember one day yeah. I remember this day she found them she literally was just like what is all this mind you I have like 30 tapes yeah I'm like it's it's my tapes my Dragon Ball Z she goes how do you where did you get this from I'm like it's from all the lunch money that you gave me yeah, I mean you know damn well living in Flatbush, you can have lunch for two dollars. It's true. Easy. Yeah, Easy. hero. <laughs> you get a hero, or I'm sorry, I'll, I'll say this in national language, a, a sub or a hoagie for like two bucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, two dollars is that? Two dollars a fourteen year old that can easily like put together lunch. Yeah. Easy without even without even hesitating. And I had options too. I could go to McDonald's with a dollar menu. I go get a dollar pizza. Go get a yeah. Deli, or the you know? bodega to hook up, hook, hook up your thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so and now, now in the city, like there are, there's still a few dollar pizza spots. Um, I don't even know if there's still a dollar menu in McDonald's. I haven't been in a while. But the city as a whole, man, is just like getting more and more expensive. It's crazy. Something's gotta give, man. Like there's gonna, I feel like there's gonna come a time where just people are just not gonna afford it, and I feel like it's coming much sooner. Than, than, than I thought it would with this coronavirus pandemic because here is eerie man the city, the city is scary right now like you go outside it's very eerie that's that's the word it's eerie it is know? eerie 
Yeah, it's like it's um, very eerie outside. Yeah, it's at, there. There is the reason why I even brought up nine eleven is probably that that kind of um, feel of nervous tension and all that stuff. Except um, the street, you know, the streets aren't empty. It's not like right, and you know, I mean, people aren't. I mean, maybe, I think people are keeping us up, their kids home from school because of they think it's unsafe for a while. But this is lasting yeah. a little bit longer. So there's a, a longer or there's more of a residual effect. And I mean, I can't even begin to imagine like California right now, like New York has more deaths than California, I think, has cases. So, um, um, no, and, no, 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 no. Yeah. New York, New York actually has more cases than any country in the world besides the U.S., obviously. Right. Yeah. Actually, um, I've been. Monitoring. No, I'm saying California has the least, the least uh, as far as per capita, like the number of people and the number of cases. We have the least. You know. You ever, uh, you ever go on that website, World Meters Info? What's it called? So, World Meters Info. W O R World. Yeah. Meters Info. If you go there and you can and you click on on the first page, you can see a link that says coronavirus updates. It shows you like, uh, and then you can click. Uh, it shows you like the, by country. Like right now, the U.S. is at six hundred twenty-three thousand six hundred ninety-four. So say six twenty six hundred twenty-four thousand. And if you click on the U.S., it gives you um, by state. And out of the six hundred twenty-three thousand in the U.S., two hundred and three are in New York. Right. And then California is twenty-five thousand. We have like almost ten times the number of cases. Um, and, uh, New York, New York is bad right now. New York is going to be bad right now, and I feel like it's going to be bad for a while. You know what I mean? Um, it's not. It's it's just not. The total death in New York is is almost twelve thousand. Total death in California is seven ninety. That's it. That's a big difference, man. Agreed. Agreed. You know? Yeah, like, I'm looking at um something else because the the site you gave me was warning me about browsing off on it. <laughs> it was basically a at your own risk thing, and I'm like, ah, no thanks, <laughs> I ain't doing that. <laughs> Wait, the World Meters Info? It wouldn't let you do it. It did, but it just gave me a warning like before I go and had this long thing I had to read, and I'm like, man, I'm trying to listen to you at the same time, so. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. New York City alone. But here's the good. Here's here's the. But good New York part, City alone. Right? New York City alone has ten thousand three hundred sixty-seven deaths. New York City. Right now, I'm, right now it says eleven thousand. But I mean, obviously, it, it changes. Uh, the city, right? Daily. We're talking about the city, the five boroughs. No, 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 no. I'm talking about New York State. New York State has eleven thousand, uh, almost twelve thousand deaths. But yeah, I mean, it definitely has more. State, but the city, no, but the city, State. the city has ten thousand three hundred sixty-seven. Yeah, I believe that this is cases or death. Deaths we're talking about. Right? Deaths. Yeah, the cases yeah, is a hundred thousand, a hundred and ten thousand. Yeah. Now, when you talk about New York State, you're obviously talking about New York City because that's where most of most of the people are. Right. I'm sure there's stuff there upstate too, but it's just not. Uh, it's not the same. Like there's a there's a lot of density in New York City. There's a lot of a lot of people per square inch, not Definitely. even square. You know. Yeah, every you got millionaires living on top of each other. So, <laughs> yeah. literally, man, like it's it's so crazy. Like, I, I mean, I I kind of like feel bad for like all like the parents that have like multiple kids living in like one or two bedroom apartments and kind of it's already hard enough living in there, let alone being stuck indoors with all these kids 
for like over a month now. Like, uh, yeah, because because before you could cope, right? Like Central Park, Hudson River Park, New York City has some. New York City has some of the best parks in the world, man. In the world, and we uh, we've been around the block. So you can't you can't get bored in New York. There's always something to do. There's always somewhere to go. And if you if you can't think of something, just go outside. You'll find some entertainment in the subway or in the street, whatever. But you you can't you can't find any of that right now. You know what I mean? And I've actually like was looking online and stuff that there's like a big rise in domestic violence with what's going on right now. And yeah, you know actually, why? <laughs> Come on, be real. I mean, anyone that spends yeah. a, spends a large amount of time with someone that they supposedly love, you're gonna you drive each other yeah. fucking nuts, dude. Yeah. What? <laughs> Crime is actually going up by. by Last night at 2.30 a.m., for the very first time living in this apartment, I've been living here for four or five years, and I've lived on 119 for another five. So I've been living in the Upper Upper East for like almost 10 years now. For the very first time, last time at, last night at 2.30 in the morning, I heard gunshots. Nice, clear, three gunshots. Pa, pa, pa. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, um, I think if people can't work, they can't make money. And if they can't make money, no, they um, can't. there's this level of, um, um, first of all, it messes with you mentally and psychologically. So just just being on the edge, you know what I mean? Domestic- exactly. People are on the edge and they're losing their mind. I mean, this guy, there was, a, there was a story on Friday in the news. This guy actually on my block, he was, he lives on 112. He, um... He was coming to his girlfriend's, who lived in my building. He was bringing, she has a son. He was bringing her, not with him, with another guy. He was bringing her toilet paper and paper towels. And the baby daddy came from behind and shot him. That's this crazy. Right, like, yeah. And then this is where it gets even more crazy. Like, the cops caught him, like, literally like less than five minutes later because they were around the block. So obviously they heard the shots and they were able to apprehend him. The next day, back up on 112 where the guy used to live, his friends and family were like doing like a street memorial. Like, you know, like when you put the picture down and put all the candles around it. Yep. The the the, ba- the, 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 the baby daddy's friends came by and shot up the, the memorial and killed two people and injured one. Jesus, Jesus yeah. fucking Christ, dude! Like you, dude, do you know how crazy you have to be to shoot up a funeral? Like you basically shot up a funeral. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's just it's 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 crazy. It's it's crazy. You remember what Chris Rock said? Like whatever happened to crazy? Yeah. This is it. Yeah. This is literally what this is not, what, like we not misunderstood we, not misunderstood as a child not you know who they not yeah, what no, video crazy. not what video games they're playing No 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 forget no. there's no excuses there's no misunderstood there's this is crazy Yeah you know what I mean Whatever happened to just crazy You're literally shooting up a, 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 a memorial you're shooting up people that have absolutely nothing to do with what happened the day before People that are just there to show their respect, and you win and you kill two of them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's 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 like another level of crazy. That's just it's senseless. It's senseless. Yeah, it's, it's senseless. Like, I mean, listen, uh, we were just talking about 9/11, right? Um, yeah. If if this is some stupid Muslim attack against Americans, right? Like you know how some some racist idiots call it like this Muslim attack against our way our way of life and this and that. What percentage? 
of people that worked in the World Trade Center do they think, or do you think, or do we think, were, were Muslim? A lot of, of them. How, how many of them were Jewish? A lot of them. How many don't even believe of in course, any God at all? So, so I, I really, I, I lost a lot of friends to, who were stu stupid enough to say, oh, not all Muslims are terrorists, but all terrorists are Muslims. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, those are just stupid things to say. And, and, and we were just talking about comedy and what's funny and what's acceptable about delivery versus deliver. That's just stupid. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, someone like that is not on my team. All right. Yeah. And the same thing, anyone that shoots up a memorial, I mean, it, obvious is obvious. They're not on our team either, but, but, whatever happened are just crazy <laughs> some exactly. people some whatever people are just crazy, crazy. Yo. you know yeah you keep you keep you keep giving people like oh this one have this 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 no some people are just crazy and I, i'm 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 convinced that like one day and this was this corona thing was probably i mean there's rumors that there was ma that it was man-made they say oh it was from a bat but Chinese people have been eating bats for thousands of years. Now, all of a sudden, they just, they, yeah, they, come they, they, come on now. You know what I mean? Now, all of a sudden, it's bad for them? Bullshit. So yeah. they're saying that I heard that it's man-made. But I think the end of the world is literally going to be the result of some crazy motherfucker waking up one day and just doing something crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mental health is a thing, man. You know, it's, it's not... It's the one thing that doesn't really have a cure, if you think about it. Like, if you're crazy, you're, you could take, you could pop all the meds that you want. You're still crazy. You know what I mean? My, my grandpa passed away to dementia three years ago. And, and mind you, like, dementia is, like, one of the worst things you can have. Because yeah. especially, like, a guy yeah. like him. My father just passed very, away. Very, just very lost, My father, too, just lost my father last week. Very opinionated, very, very, very opinionated. Very like, like if he tells, if he thinks the sky is purple, you are not gonna fucking change his mind. Nope. <laughs> I mean, like, combine that with having dementia and not able to speak English, and he was like living in a hospice. Like the man really, really struggled the last two years of his life, and we, me and my mom struggled with him because we obviously had to go see him and take care of him and all this stuff. But he, you know, it, it was, it was. It was, it was fascinating, but not in a good way, to see how mental health can really, really, really like fuck up your life. Yeah, listen, you know? um, my father just lost my father. Um, the end of February, I was supposed to. If you remember, I was supposed to come to New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in March. Um, same thing. My father suffered from dementia, and um, you know, big up to my kid sister who who did all all of the heavy lifting because I'm, as you know, I'm not on the East Coast. Yeah. And um. Yeah, crazy is a real thing, and that's why I think every time somebody commits suicide or jumps off of something, oh, we should have bars, you know? Or every time someone yeah. shoots someone, oh, we should, you know, get rid of all the guns. Or every time someone's homeless, it's like... Um, Oh, you know, we don't want we don't want them on the Upper West Side, you know, we don't, you know, this and that. And I, I actually think Hermosa Beach brings them. I think the cops literally pick them up and drop them off of, at Venice Beach. <laughs> and I every time I bring up mental health, everybody gets so offended because they're such prisoners of the moment mm -hmm. on these separate instances that they, they, they don't see the common denominator. Yeah. Stop spending our fucking money on all on all these other things, and start spending some money on on treating some of these people that we all yeah. acknowledge that are fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. Do you know why yeah. I'm a big Second Amendment guy? I'm a big Second yeah. Amendment guy because 
I don't want to be the victim of a justice system that's only designed to pick up the pieces. Yeah. All right. Abdel, someone has a gun. They, they're coming after you. You know they're coming after you. You call the cops. You know what the cops tell you? Yeah. Can't do anything till you get shot. <laughs> All yeah. right. No, no has, I'm sorry, but has a crime been, been committed? We can't, <laughs> we can't arrest someone with, for what they're supposed to, supposedly going to do. And I'm like, yes, yeah. first of all, yes, you can. It's called conspiracy to commit murder. And second, um, give me a fucking gun. <laughs> yeah. You know why? Because I don't want, I want you to live. You're my dude. Okay. I don't want someone to come to me. I don't want your relative to say, Hey, I got good news and bad news. The good news is they caught the guy that killed Abdel. Yeah. And I'm like, what's the bad news? Well, well, your boy's dead. (laughs) (laughs) He had to get shot first for, for them to do something about it. So for me, I think as if they have some kind of prevention system, um, and if that includes getting rid of, um, automatic weapons where someone can't just spray up a movie theater and mass um that's cool you know um and i don't the weird thing is not i mean to get political here but the weird thing is abdel nobody is saying take away everybody's gun yeah nobody nobody's no, saying that they they, they have this no. de- democrats and rebloodlicans type thing going on like oh democrats are coming for all coming after all your guns i'm like no you had a democrat in office for eight years and you still have all your guns. You still no one came after your guns. You still have them. Right now there are more guns than people. You still have all, no one's no one's come no one's come and taken away taking them away. Yeah. Mental health. Mental health. How about have a system where Abdel, you have a driver's license, right? What do you got to do? In New York it's fuck it's it's even more fucking stringent. New York, you have to pass a written test. They yeah. make you put one hand over your left eye to read a bunch of letters, right? And then you got to put your yeah. hand over your right eye. Now your right eye is blurry as fuck, right? So now you you yeah. can read the letters, but barely. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Got to take an eight-hour driving course. Got to go to driving school. Got to take a road test. And and God knows who your proctor is. They could fail you or not, right? And all yeah. of this for the right to drive a car, which everybody argues, oh, guns are your right, driving's a privilege, and I and I'm not gonna succumb to that argument. All I'm trying to say is people make you go through that because they want everybody to be safe in their yeah. operation of such product. Of and course. that's why I don't have the oh, it's your right versus versus it's a it's a privilege comparison. I don't fall yeah. into that. One, because it's not logically connected as far as your safety is concerned. And two, yeah. just because something's your right doesn't make it a good fucking idea, right? Exactly. It's your right to free speech, but can you curse out your boss? See how yeah. good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> So shit. I know. Wow. Now I'm done. <laughs> I want to, I want to kind of like, I kind of like, you know, want to cheer things back up, but if we really want a solution to, uh, to gun control, I think we should just listen to do what Chris Rock said. Bullet and control. He said that. He's like, we need bullet control. He's like, we need every bullet to cost $5,000. That's right. Do you know right. why? Cause if, if every bullet, if you had to pay $5,000 for every bullet you bought, there'll yeah. be no, there'll be no accidental shootings. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. it's like Abdel, I should blow your freaking head off, but well, I don't can't, I, can't I, afford, I can't it. afford it. I gotta pay rent. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would shoot you. Citing Chris head, Rock, that's our go source. Shopping first. <laughs> yes. Crazy. Bullet yeah, listen, bullet control was bullet a joke, control. but would it work? Would bullet control work? I think it would. I think it would. <laughs> 
Yeah. Now, there, here's the thing. I'm not an expert in, in this field. It's not something that I'm, uh, you know, I've never actually shot a gun in my life. I know you served yeah. in the military, so I'm sure you probably have. I don't know. Yeah, I don't even months. know what it feels like to shoot a gun, so I don't really know. But what I do know, I don't believe in problems. I believe in solutions. Yes. And I do know for a fact that if we wanted to find a solution to, 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 to this, we will find a solution to this. But the problem is we're never going to be able to find a solution to this because the gun industry is a big industry that generates a lot of money. Yeah. And anything that makes a lot of money is always hard to, uh, to what do you call it? Yeah, it goes very hard to moderate or to, to control. Agreed. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I actually just read earlier today? Um, that uh, WWE, like wrestling, you know, they, they, they're they still doing shows, but they're just like not, they're not, they're doing it without the fans. Like dark doing matches. It in the, no, no, no. They're doing it at the Performance Center. They, they're they airing it live on USA as like Raw is still going on. It's just that they're doing it with essential staff only. You know what I mean? Even yeah. though, like, the Performance Center is located in Florida. And in Florida, like, the state, the whole state is on lockdown. But the governor of Florida, listen to this, has deemed WWE as essential. Good. Good. Listen. Listen, we don't know how long this is this 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 virus. We don't how know how long we have to stay inside, but after a no, while when a whole bunch of people start testing negative and you have a sports entertainment which is a, a combat sport equivalent where you have a small number of people engaging on whatever, right? No crowd, you yeah. have a ref, you have two wrestlers, and that's why I thought the UFC would work. The UFC, um, actually, the one in Brazil looked like the ultimate fighter. Everybody's like, oh, it's not the same without fans, and I'm like, that's not true. The ultimate fighter, that oh. reality show, is what got what, what got the UFC basically yeah, more, yeah, yeah, more than 50% of its viewers. And and did they, did they have an audience? No, they did not. <laughs> they, they didn't have an audience. So it's one of those things where... Um, um, I'm just hoping that sport comes back and they do it in the safe way that, that, that the UFC was trying to do it and the way the WWE Vince McMahon was doing it. Um, and I mean, I know these athletes are elite. Like you were an elite athlete for a while. You know, you know, you know how easily we combat just like the flu and viruses and stuff like that. So yeah. it's not, it's not about these guys um combating it or recovering faster than it is as much as they would not know to, not know that they're infected and bring it home to maybe their grandmother who may not be yeah. able to handle that right like i don't know if you yeah, heard yeah, max yeah. holloway say that max yeah i think that's that's but that's what that's why the virus spread so much is that what, what we we didn't realize was that you could still get it not show any symptoms and infect someone else who might not take it as well as you do. Like that's, that, that was, that was the biggest mistake that we all made as human beings was the fact like those, those couple of days when like it just started if everyone just kind of like self quarantined right away. I don't think it would be as bad as it is right now. You know what I mean? But that's, that's, that was the issue, especially in a city like, like New York, like, you know how New York is. New York, if there is, if there is one way you could, one way you could, you could describe New Yorkers is that we just don't give a fuck. We no. don't care. Nobody cares. No. Nobody cares. Nobody's it's impressed. Good. We don't care. Why? Because there's just, there's the mentality that we have. People just don't give a shit here. 
You know what I mean? And that's why we're the epicenter of, of this thing, and that's why we have more cases and more deaths and everything because people just don't care. Even you if they did, mean? even if they did, it's yeah. it's the inevitable. There's just too many people in yeah. a consolidated I mean, area. I, I can count probably on 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 both hands the number of times I've left my house in the past month and month and a half. Like I have, I've I've been without work for almost six weeks now. You know what I mean? But you know, I'm also like. I'm 34 years old. I'm pretty healthy. You know what I mean? Maybe I did get it. You know what I mean? Did I show any symptoms? Have I felt sick at any point in the past six weeks? No, but it doesn't mean that I didn't get it. Maybe I had it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, 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 and felt the effects very little. And, you could, and I could still like infect other people just because, because I have it. And right. Because I'm not showing like this. It's a, it's a, it's a virus that affects your immune system. And, and because it does, it affects your immune system. It, it's, you can't like gauge it because the immune system is, is the one thing that changes from, is one of, one of the things that changes from one person to the other. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I like knock on wood. I never get sick. I get sick maybe like once a year, like when like oh, if there's like a hard change in the season, and I kind of like usually when it gets like goes from like fall to winter. If I don't like watch myself and make sure you know I you know I I'm bundled up whatever. You know how New York gets like New York will be seventy one day and then forty the next day like or uh, easy. So the, 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 that's when I that's when I usually get sick. That's and I'll probably be down for the count for like three four days. Luckily for me, it never really falls on weekends when I have to work. But I never really get sick. But you know, me neither. It's, it's, me neither. It, it, Dude, we were we were roommates for a couple of years. Neither one of us <laughs> got sick. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what the crazy thing is with the lack of sleep we got. You thought you would have thought we'd be the first two to go. I mean, we don't. I. Um, I don't even remember the last time I slept more than six hours. I just, I'm a night owl. I'm up doing video room breakdown for volleyball coaches, you know, certain programs on the East Coast, high school and college. You know, I'm doing video room breakdown for color commentary. I coach some players. I coach a club for beach. I coach a club for indoor boys. So, so as you know, to be good at your job, just like you are as a DJ, your, your job doesn't finish when you leave the club. Your job, your job uh, starts and finishes, um, in whatever area in your apartment you you have the lab, I call it the lab, or yeah. or the man cave or the com, uh, the command center, if you will. Right yeah. now, right now I'm in the command center. This is where I do this yeah. is where I do all of my work. This is where my battles are won and lost. So, yep. So listen, how did you um? How'd you get into DJing? What made you want to be a DJ? I think at the time, were you doing promoting? So I used to be a club promoter. And I used to throw these pregame parties in my house. And this was like after I moved out from being roommates with you when I lived in Long Island City. I um I used to do these pregame parties at my house and the rules were very simple. I supplied the space and the music and people whoever came, they just had to like bring booze with them. Like bring BYOB, bring whatever you want to drink. And what I used to do is basically make a playlist on iTunes. And I would just like let it play as we pregame before we go to the club. Now the, the pregames were like incentive to get incentives to get people to come out to so I can make money as a promoter. Now what happened was we would listen to like a lot of house music, and if you're familiar with house music tracks, 
a lot of them have like a 30 second to one minute intro in the beginning where which is used for like DJs to kind of like mix in the songs. Yeah. And what happened when we used to do these pre-games, I we didn't like the fact that like we have to like listen to the intro of every song. So I like downloaded this program called Virtual DJ that basically allowed me to kind of like mix the songs. So next thing you know, I just kind of found myself DJing the pre-game parties and they started growing. Um and basically what happened was my friends just didn't like some of the music at, at some of the clubs that I promoted. Like they came out to support whatever and to have fun, but they started enjoying the music more at the pregame than at the house. So they pushed me. They were like, yo, you should DJ, you should DJ, you should DJ. And I've always liked music. I was all, I've always been passionate about music. I've always incorporated music into my, um, in my Taekwondo training. And I always had like the latest music. I've always had, you know, I was very good with like Napster and LimeWire and Kazaa and all those programs that used to give people viruses. I always knew how to use them without infecting my computer and whatnot. But um, I just remember the first day that I actually played a club. It was uh, Sunday Memorial Day, 2010. And that rush that I got as a DJ was just... Where was this again? It was at this club called Griffin in the meatpacking district. Oh, and okay. I remember that rush that I got as a DJ. And mind you, I just played like the last hour before the club closed from three to four. It was it was amazing. It was like nothing that I um that I ever felt before. And I was just like, this is it. This is what I want to do. You know, I've I've always liked the um the concept of performing. You know what I mean? I've always looked at my volleyball games as a performance. If you remember, even when we used to play volleyball games, I used to get people to come up to the games. When I used to um, promote clubs, I would get people to come. You know, I, when, I used to, when I DJ, I get people to come see me DJ. You know what I mean? I have this notion of always drawing people to come out and support and, and spend money and do this and that. But with me DJing now now it's gotten to the point where I can just like walk into a room and just read it. I will just look at a room, look at the crowd, look at how they're reacting to whoever is playing right now, like before me or whatever, and I'll be able to tell like Was this is was your break play. at Griffin though? Like your break? Huh? Was your break at Griffin? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. My break I would say I was it Hudson? Say, my my break was definitely when I got the residency at Lava. Because when I got the residency at Lava, because Lava is considered the top night, one of the top nightclubs in New York City, Lava and Marquee, because they're owned by the same company, Tau Group. So playing at Lava also opened the door for Marquee. And then once I established myself, this is, was all in the matters of like three, four months in 2015, almost five years ago. Um, and as soon as they got the residencies at Lava and, Mar and Marquee, like the doors just like started opening up for all the other clubs because then people, it gives you credibility. You know what I mean? That opened the doors for the residency in Atlantic City, and Atlantic City opened the doors for Philadelphia. And you know, Philly, you know, uh, it's actually one of my favorite places to play right now because people over there really love their hip hop. Um, and then, of course, you start getting, like, offers. Because all these big clubs, they get a lot of, like, rich clientele. And then a lot of the rich clientele, they want to, like, do private parties. They hear you at these clubs. And next thing you know, you know, they um, they want to hire you for, for private gigs. And that's where the money is. 
you know, as a coach, when you coach a team, you make a certain amount of money. But if you were to like give private lessons to us to a player, that obviously costs more money than it costs for you know yeah, to, do, uh, to, to do to do. So yeah, it's business. It's simple business. Big. It's a big so, business out here. I try. I try to keep a foot in both markets. I keep. I keep a foot now in the in the club market, and then I keep a foot. I do a lot of private events. Um, a lot of, I'm very particular about the weddings that I do because I don't want to be labeled as a wedding DJ. Most of the weddings that I do are weddings for people that are music oriented that want like a club DJ at their wedding and not necessarily a wedding DJ that's going to play the electric slide and all this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So most of the weddings that I've done have, have been for like people that are like, people who really, 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 really care about music and really want to have that like club vibe for after the, 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 the ceremony, you know what I mean? Yep. So. Yeah, no, nah, yeah, I, like, I like it. I like, yeah, you you could turn a wedding into a bachelor party really quick. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. I've had a lot of weddings go over time, like kind of get extensions because people are having just too much fun. And they don't want to, you know. So, Abdel, was there a story where you were like opening up for a particular DJ, and then the resident, the like the resident didn't show or something like that, and you had to do the whole night? No, so I'm I'm the resident. No, I'm not talking about Lavo. I'm talking about before. There's been there's been a lot of situations where like we have like cancellations with the with the headliner, and maybe in the resident that plays before and after, I would have to like take over the show. This happened many times. And it always, I mean, a lot of these DJs, like, they travel the world, so it's like a lot of the times they have, like, travel problems or, like, you know, they can't get them coming to the country or they get delayed. So, like, cancellations happen all the time. But I've always uh, had to step in, like, numerous times to uh, kind of, like, save the day, which is always, you know, a good feeling because it shows that the club really trusts you to uh, to carry the night. Yeah. Um, well, because a night like that, you know, can can go, can go both ways. Cause yeah, because the they're, they're taking like, a chance anyway, DJ, right? They got nobody. If a DJ cancels, you have to like reissue, uh, like issue refunds to uh, to people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're very well said. You're very well said. I would, and it was really cool because I I think I didn't get to witness all of it firsthand, but I did see how you came from like club promoter to like. Opening up for this person, opening up for that person, and then suddenly, boom, you know, you, you, you find a place you can pitch your own tent. Lavo, yeah. Lavo, Lavo is, yo, Lavo is awesome. Lavo is yeah, awesome. Lavo me. has really good Italian food. The restaurant upstairs, the Italian food is off the page. And as a New Yorker saying that, that's saying a lot. Um, yeah, it is. Very good Italian. Very good Italian. Um, very, very good Italian. Uh, it's definitely one of my favorite places to eat. Um it's so funny. I uh, I'm actually just I just went on Facebook right now really quick, and uh, a picture of us from Lava just popped up from June fourth. Yeah, I was there for the AVP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. That was pretty cool, man. <laughs> Shit, I wonder if I could find that. <laughs> it's it's I can I can send you a link later. Yeah, I got right now because I'm teching the show by myself. I only got your picture up, but but if, uh, okay. like my girl Miranda, who's my tech, half the time like live we just pull it up. We just pull it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, especially when we're talking about um, mixed martial arts or like professional wrestling. Like mm-hmm. I, I remember there was um, George Masvidal. 
Remember um, yeah. that guy from uh, Leon Edwards was um, George Masvidal was doing an interview and Leon Edwards kept walking by and like talking nonsense and he left the interview and pieced him up and that was a really cool that was a cool that was like a viral video that's where the three piece in the soda came from. <laughs> he used the New York reference. I gave him a three piece in the soda. Yeah. <laughs> he said pop 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 and I was like wow. <laughs> So here's the cool thing I liked about you as a DJ and, and just hanging out with you. As you know, I'm a pubs over clubs guy, right? But the weird thing is when I actually get into the club and the music starts, what does it look like? It, does it look like I'm a pubs over clubs guy? No, it looks like <laughs> this is a, there's no place on earth I'd rather be. And they're like, yo, exactly. is, isn't that your friend that doesn't like clubs? <laughs> that's the guy that that's the guy that doesn't no, like but clubs, here's right? The thing. You, you, you don't like clubs because you don't like the hassle that comes with clubs, which I understand 100%. A lot of people don't like clubs because clubs can be a hassle to get into. You know what I mean? Especially if like, you know, it's not uh, it's 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 not for everyone. But you always were into music. You've always loved music, and it's uh, you like to dance. So eventually, obviously, if the music is good, it doesn't matter where you are. You're gonna bust out your Jason moves. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Listen, nobody nobody does enthusiastic white guy on, on the dance floor better than me, except for maybe Chris Ships, who's, who may be listening to this. <laughs> yeah, right? Chris Ships could do wild, wild white boy, man. It's the most fun thing in the world to watch. <laughs> Because yeah. they don't have a care in the world. And like you said, they all kinds of, I don't give a fuck. As a, as a New Yorkers, as a general rule, but like someone dancing in the club as a precaution. Um, yeah, you just, you just out there having a good time. I do remember, oh, um, wow. I remember, I think it was your 20th birthday. We were in a, in a club, Midtown, right? And yeah. I was dancing with, it was a bunch of volleyball people. Uh, Trisha Morris was there. Um Remember the Aussie girl? Remember the uh, big girl, the Aussie girl with the big legs? Good player, uh, Trisha. Oh, the one that uh, Ida used to do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Trisha, yeah. So yeah. I was dancing with her um, one night. And, you know, I'm just out there having fun. And I could see in the corner of my eye, there's like three dudes, right? Yeah. And you could, I, I see them talking about me. And I'm like, all right, whatever. They're just, they're just, whatever. They're just talking and that's okay. So one guy backs up. And he bumps into me, right? And I just say, oh, excuse me, whatever. And then yeah. he does it again. And, and the second time, I know it's not an accident. He just bumps into yeah. me. And he's like, what's your problem? He's, he's about to start shit, right? So then he's got his two friends behind him. And you know what? I come up to him really close. And this is my problem, Abdel. I have two problems. One, I wimp out of stuff where if people follow me and they corner me, I, 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 I'm, I'm in their grill and I put them in a position where they have to fight, right? Yeah. They were just hoping they could punk me out, look good in front of their friends or whatever. So that's one of my problems. I, I kind of try to steer away from it and then and sometimes they follow me into a corner and now, and now I'm like literally nose to nose and now you have to do something. Now you can't back up. That's my first problem. My yeah. second problem is uh, my response is always disproportionate to what someone does to right. me, Right. Like if someone takes, if someone like um, puts their hand and like smacks me on the face like like lightly, like they're being playful, and I smack them with my left hand like with the palm, that's disproportionate, and that's my problem. Yeah. But so basically, I'm like, hey, it's all good, man. He's like, I'm I'm like, cool, man. You know this and that. So I'm like, listen, 
I said, you got this club full of good looking women, good music. And, and why are you doing this? You know, and I have my hands up. I'm like, I have both hands up. And he's like, put your hands down. And I was like, I said, you know, what? I don't fucking put my hands down. Now, all of a sudden yeah. he's there. And now all of a sudden his two friends are there. So um, Steve comes over. Steve Rouse is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Steve trying to smooth shit out. Right. And Kenny's like, look. I know what the, Kenny's there too, right? And Kenny's like, look, I know, you know, you got your friends over here and you, and you, and you got, um, and you're trying to, you, you're trying to put on a front, but just walk away, just walk away for you get your yeah. fucking feelings hurt. And then you come over and there was only like five inches of space between me and this guy. You fill the five inches. You went right between us and you said, you ain't crazy. I'm the motherfucker who's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> You said you ain't crazy. If I'm I'm the one who's crazy, and it was crazy because we were just in the middle of de-escalating the situation, and then when you came in, you just fucking alphaed it, and you you really put someone in a position where they had to put up or shut up. But I I only brought that up because I never saw a situation where people thought they saw pussy, right? They thought they saw prey, and Mm. then then when they didn't, they were like, okay, he's not prey, but there's three of us and there's one of him. And then yeah. all of a sudden, people, because it was your birthday that day, all right? And yeah, I, f- yeah, yeah. I forget the place. But um, so now all of your friends are coming. All of your friends are coming out of the dark. And we're all volleyball yeah. players. Kenny's 6'5. Steve is 6'4, right? Um, this yeah. dude's 6'8. Um, this dude's 6'6. Six, six, six. So now all it's of these big motherfuckers start coming out of the dark. <laughs> you know, just yeah. out of the dark and into the light in the middle of the dance floor. And now they're all standing next to me and all standing behind me, which I'm eternally grateful for. I'm just glad. Yeah. Like, I don't need anyone to fight my battles, but I think in order for it to happen peacefully, uh, where I, where 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 it wasn't taken to the next level, that's how it had to happen. So I was very, uh, and it's such a stupid memory to have, but it's a great memory because I knew that we weren't just friends on the court. We were tight like that. And yeah. and you put me in a situation where I didn't have to be one way. If I had to handle that by myself, Abdul, I'm the bad guy. If I have of to course. handle that by myself, I'm the bad guy. I'm gonna smack him in his mouth, or if he's the biggest guy, or if his friend's bigger than him, I'm gonna just reach past him and punch his friend. You know, and then yeah. and then and then it's on. And now the only person that's gonna get thrown out of the club is me. <laughs> yep. So and and I didn't do shit wrong. I'm just minding my business. Yeah. I'm dancing with this fucking fine amazon the six foot one and a half chick from australia you know legs a spank jehovah (laughs) um um and um but i i don't know what year i think this is your 20th birthday and it was it was a place in midtown next uh close to town let me let me let me let me fill in that gap for you please Uh, it was my 20th birthday and it was a club called obar club 58 okay and club 58 went on to become after they closed they reopened at this place called the grand which is which i promoted at when okay. i was a promoter yeah and then they closed and guess what they reopened that what lavo <laughs> how crazy is that oh come on i had my i basically had my 20th and my 30th birthday at the same venue, except so, that they were obviously different names. Just for the people listening, am I to understand that the same place where you celebrated your 20th birthday, the same place where uh, I'm, I'm expressing a meeting of the minds and, and the togetherness and the emotional investment us as volleyball players and volleyball friends had is the same place you beca- are now the resident DJ? Yep. Same exact place. Well, shit. 
it's, Glad I brought up the story, Abdel. <laughs> it is a, li- a crazy little story for you. Um, I, I broke up. I, I got into the guy's face. I remember it very clearly. But back in 2015, I used to hang out. This was right before I started playing at Lavo. I used to uh, go to Lavo to hang out for like almost a year every Thursday to like make friends with everyone. And I remember probably it was like April or May, like maybe like a month or two before I got my residency. At this point, like I'm friends with everyone, all the security and like the staff, they all know me. And I remember I was out with my friend Dana, beautiful blonde, beautiful blonde. And she, there was this guy that was like harassing her. Same situation as you. So at one point, she literally comes and hides behind me. And then the guy is like literally trying to like go around me to get to her. And I just like looked at it and I'm like, dude, like you obviously can tell she doesn't want to talk to you. And he was like, what's it to you? I'm like, nothing. I personally personally don't give a shit. Like if she wanted to talk to you, she could go home with you. I really don't care. But if she's hiding behind me, she obviously doesn't want to talk to you. So you should probably like leave her alone. And I made the mistake of saying you should probably leave her alone and like turn my head away to like look over to the side to like avoid. Because mind you, like I'm at this place where I'm trying to like get work. I'm not trying to like, you know, cause any problems. So the guy sucker punches me in the face right in front of everyone. And everyone just like turned and looked at me. And in that split second, you know, I was all these like emotions and ideas were like throwing them over my head. I'm like, listen, I could turn right now and I could knock him the fuck out. You know what I mean? I could rearrange his face. I could literally make him count his teeth if I wanted to. But I really want a DJ in this place. And I'm not going to be able to do that if I start a problem right now. So I literally like swallowed my ego and swallowed my pride. Something I wouldn't have been able to do when I was If you were 19 old. or 20. Oh, no way. Yeah. And then no way, dude. And you know dude, that. I've seen you throw kicks, dude. Yeah. Um, th- that whole kick the bottle off the top of my head scares me to death, but you are deadly accurate, <laughs> you know? And that wasn't just a push kick. That was a spinning, a jump in the air, yeah, a spinning, spinning, a some... spinning, a spinning hook kick. <sighs> what yeah, the fuck, dude? So, yeah, so, so I that's just like went outside. I went outside to like grab the security. And by the time I made it to, to the head security, Rich at the door, he literally just looked at me. He was like, I already know what happened. Don't worry. We already handled it. Cause apparently when he threw the punch, one of the bouncers from like a few feet away saw him and came and grabbed him and like took, kicked him out. Okay. So it, it was, it, it's just fascinating to see how everything comes back full circle. You know, the same place where I had my 20th birthday and believe it or not, that birthday gig is actually what led to me becoming a promoter because I remember, I remember I brought like maybe like 30, 35 people that night. It was a Thursday and the guy, the promoter that we had gone with, he literally was like, he said, wow, you have like a lot of people and you, you you should be a promoter. I'm like, I don't want to be a promoter, man. Just get me inside right now. I don't really want to deal with it. But the same place that my 20th birthday and had like my first quote unquote gathering of people is the same place where I went on to become a resident DJ. Pretty fascinating. Yeah. Um, and like you said, a testament as far as all that is coming full circle is concerned is just... Wow. Yeah. So we first met playing volleyball. Were you still a student at New Utrecht at the time where you were senior or you just finished? I I met you after my quarterfinals game. I had just lost. We had just lost 
Mimi Trickley had just lost to JFK. We lost to Zaka and uh, Zachariah. They beat our ass. Good team, right? That was a good team, I right? Was sitting, I was sitting in the corner crying. I was, was Roberto was Roberto a senior on that team too? Or yeah, was, it was yeah. Roberto. I think yeah, it was Roberto. Yeah, like a squad. Roberto. It was um, Zaka. They had, they had, they had, they had, they had, they had a squad. Good coach I mean, too. Big too. up to Iris. But, Iris from the Bronx. Everybody yeah, in New York, the New York thing, scene knows her. Good coach. Yes, I love Iris. Iris mm-hmm. is one of my favorite people. I remember that yeah, team. I was I was off to the side, like literally crying when you came and like you were like, "No, bro, you did good. You did a good job. You know, you should be proud of yourself." And I mean, I was seventeen at the time. Yeah, who the fuck this is was, trying to hear that? This was exactly seventeen years ago. How crazy! Yeah. So, yeah. So the here's here's how I think our club team started, which was Evolution. And refresh my memory. It's Friday night, LaGuardia High School, right? Uh-huh. Uh, uh, for people that don't know LaGuardia High School uh, back in the day I don't know what they're doing now was pick up volleyball they had a gym for advanced players and intermediate and they had a gym for beginners and and LaGuardia was a mixture of people who were really really good and a mixture of people who were suffering from delusions of grandeur who think they're good and they're not and they're, and people who know they're not good but bring their fucking scrub ass there anyway alright so yeah. there are people like you suck you know you suck Yes, you do. Say it with me. You suck. And there's some people who actually think they're good. And then, the, then there was this 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 um this group of queens that were just m- magnificent skill skill Nazis. Um, so you came through, and I'm with Eugene, one of my closest friends. We call Flacco. Flacco played for Barmeso, two-time national champ for a men's men's um for men's open for USAV. Um, they only lost a set in two years, so that's how good they were. That team was. So. You come up, and that was 2005, in fact, when they won. And you come up, and you're like, yo, we should, we should do a fucking team for Urban. And uh-huh. I look at Eugene, and I'm like, who's this? What are you, what are you like, a buck fucking, a uh, buck 40? What do you weigh, you know? <laughs> uh, and I said, so I said, all right. Eugene was like, all right, let's make a team. He says, you pick two people. Who would you bring in with you? Go. So he's like, um, you said Voitech. And we were like, ooh. Neither. That little motherfucker from um, that little motherfucker from um, Grover Cleveland High School, that dude yeah. that just j- jumps fifty uh, and talk about skill Nazi. His serve receive is immaculate. His jump serve was balls out, and he was five, and five you said, with the Mohawk. and you Remember? said you said Eater, who by the way at that time was I thought the leader of, the, of that generation of players. Everyone just loved Eater because he wasn't arrogant. He was there were so pe- so many people that were so arrogant and they brought so little to the table. And Eater was so yeah. humble and he brought so much to the table. So you said Voitech and Eater and me and Eugene just go interesting. And then you came back at us and he's like, "Well, who would you bring?" I'm the one bringing three good people. Who are you bringing? And I'm like, oh. "Yeah." And I went, "Uh, uh um Eugene." <laughs> Eugene, and then there was this guy we find out was from Minnesota. His name is Mitch Jackson. He hits a front one. He hits a front one. We didn't even know him at the time. No, I didn't. I just met him that night. So I said Eugene, and then we were watching him warm up, and he hit a one ball that looked like it was a two, still on its way up, just jack jack. And I said that guy. <laughs> that's my. That's my. That's my third guy. That guy right there. So, for one season, we made a team, six people. No libero, uh, no subs. No subs. And, in fact, game. in fact, when we only had five people, when people couldn't make the game, everybody's like, "Yo, um, um, eaters out. Do you need a sub? Do you need someone to play?" We're like, "No, we're good. 
they're like, dude, you're gonna play five against six. I'm like, yeah, we're gonna play five. Yeah, we're gonna play five against six. So, um, (laughs) so it was one of these teams where we had no libero because our medals were really good. You played middle. Mitch Jackson had played middle. Both of you guys were actually ranked three and four on our server receive uh, um, totem pole, right? You got Ido and Wojtek who are one and two, but we ran a two-passer, um, a two-passer system with a, um, in case someone had like a really hard jump serve, we do a third-person drop, yeah. but but Wojtek covered almost the whole court on, on ball control. Eater was uh, the guy just jumps and he just keeps going and he keeps going. <clears throat> and the taller the guy was and the higher the blocker gump got up, the more Eater felt like he had he had to in order to hit cross court around me, he felt like he had to jump high enough to hit over them. Yeah. <laughs> so good good team. Finished twenty six and four. Um I remember how that ended. We lost Voitech to Junior Olympics. Yeah. Right. And then we recruited um and for the volleyball fans that they, they they know this name because he he's very popular all around. Seydu. Seydu. We recruited um Seydu on on <laughs> Um one of the best players in the history of Ghana volleyball. Um currently um was playing FIVB representing his country. Uh Cal I'm in the West Coast right now, so for the California people like John Mayer, uh from Pepperdine, Sean Rooney, all you guys remember Cal Cal Baptist had an NAIA team, three time three time NAIA champion. Uh, Seydou and his, his cousin Shamzu are on that team. So the West Coast knows who Seydou is too. Um, or as we would say, say don't, you know, because cause he, he Seydou has a little bit of a man child in him. So yeah. I remember that game, Abdel, because we won our semis rather easily against a team that brought in ringers for the, for the playoffs. So when they brought in ringers, um, this guy brought Greg Romulus. This dude brought Dominic to set. This guy brought Marco to, uh, or Selena right now to play libero. Um, they brought like three three ringers, and we only brought one. We brought Seydu. And they couldn't protest because if they protest, the three guys they brought in couldn't play either. Yeah, so exactly. honestly, they were better off. They had a better chance uh, just bringing in nobody and then protesting. Um, so yeah. we won that game pretty easily. And then in the finals, Seydoux caught a little child fit. Um, didn't I like know, a call. He didn't like a call from the ref, who was Justin Stack, by the way, long time coach. Um, wow, Trisha Morris is watching. We were just talking about Trish. Um, ah. <laughs> isn't that cool? Um, but Seydu sat down and refused to get it off the bench. And we call, I call the timeout. We come back in. Yeah. We come back in. He's still not leaving the bench. I call a second timeout. So now I use two timeouts. And we're down 20 to 12. Game three is up to yeah. 25. And I'm like, say, dude, are you in or are you out? And he's like, I'm out. So I told the ref, I said, we got an injured player. We're just going to go five. Which, by the way, in retrospect, if we just went five from the beginning, you know what I'm saying? Like our chemistry and us feeling each other yeah. up. By the time yeah. we got to the finals, we probably would have won the whole thing. If we just if of we just course. play with five without say do who many would consider the most talented player out of the six of us sometimes it's not the most talented player it's just about talented chemistry um, we could have won that without say do you know and I think say do him playing a man child um, it's it's one set a piece right yeah. uh, and now we're down twenty to eleven because he doesn't like a set he doesn't like this and he doesn't like the the call so when he sits the thing I remember is we came back from 20 to 12 and led 23-22. So we yeah. ended up outscoring them 11 to 2 and then um Trang, was it Trang or Trung? Chinese Trung. guy, played for UCLA, he's set. 
Yeah, he was a beast. Yeah, he um switched out. He was setting and he switched out. He's like, dude, um, I got They call a time on. He's like, I let me just set me a couple of four balls outside. I got I got a beat on how Eugene's blocking, how how Jason's blocking, and and he got the last three kills and they won twenty five twenty three. But um the the point of the story was you very rarely remember. Um, a game in a losing effort. When you when you want to tell someone yeah. a story about how fun a game is, and someone asks you, "Did you win?" and you say, "No," they don't want to fucking hear the rest of the story. Because and but there are these one instances, and they happen every now and then. That there's a story that that every or people in the gym or people saw the videotape that they remembered this magnificent performance in a losing effort. And I just thought it brought us closer together. Say, do sitting out like that made us friends for life. For sure. For sure, right? We eventually yeah, recruited. I mean, that was definitely one of, and I remember we we this game was at um it was a beer league. Yep, it was a very tiny gym. Yep, and I remember like I invited so many people to come out, and I think there were like almost like two hundred people that day surrounding. Yeah, surrounding the court. and who wanted us to win? <laughs> None of them, <laughs> except for like Kenny and like the people you brought in, like Susan. Yeah, you know Susan, Kenny, like all like the people we brought in, but. I remember no one wanted us to win because the team that made the finals lost five players to the other two teams in the semifinals. Yeah. Like, Raul stayed. Uh, Ren left to play with the Long Island guys to play with Birdie. Uh, Selena or Marco left to play with this team. So they lost five players to the two teams that we, me and them, us and them had to beat. They beat the Long yeah. Island team. They ended up beating Ren. We ended up beating Marco. And then when the finals came, all of the teams that left that team stayed and cheered for them and and was just mm-hmm. just killing the ref. They were just killing the ref, like, as far as, like, oh, that, that's hands. Oh, that's a net. No, it's not on him. You know, so it was one of those things where I was like, wow. Didn't the, this is, isn't this the same team you abandoned? Yeah. Dude, this is like you'd rather see Trump win than Bernie become the nomination. <laughs> you know? It was it was that for everyone on, on a political equivalent, that's what it was like. They would rather see their enemies win than 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 or than than us. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking, what the fuck did we ever do to anybody? <laughs> so a very good memory. Um you ended up making a really good club team. A lot of professional players. Daniel Levant was on that team. Eric was a good middle and oppo. Um, you, you, you ended up becoming a pretty good outside hitter. Um, Villy, good setter. Remember him? Played one year at Hunter. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, man, that was a fun memory. But that's how I met you. That's how I met DJ Stoon. <laughs> I met DJ Stoon the same way I meet everybody else and, and the same way I become longtime friends and lifelong friends with almost every friend I have to this day. And that was through volleyball. Um, I have a lot of friends, Abdel, so do you, but it all always, oh, yeah. it always comes down to three people. It always comes down to three people. And it was Kenny, it was Eater, and it was you. All right. Right now, yeah. West Coast, I got my three people, Greg Faulkner, who everyone knows very, very well, Rob McLean, and, um, um, this guy named Tracy Lugo and sometimes Torin Jeffries, but. But it, I, I keep my, I keep my close friends in threes or my close male friends in threes. So. Oh man! Wow, <laughs> that was fun. What? I can't believe I just looked at the clock. We've been talking for over two hours. Yep, that's so crazy. Yeah, that's that's what happens when um we have a lot to say. I, I, um, well, maybe we close it out like that. I just wanted to thank you for joining the show, uh, ladies and gentlemen. This is DJ Stoon. 
out of New yes, York. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Um, Thank you for having me, man. This was, uh, I have to say, it was it was a lot of fun. It was uh, it was a nice little trip down memory lane. And um, I think we're going to need a part two, maybe in a couple of weeks, maybe when the world comes back to normal. Yeah, when, listen. We do a part, part two. Before. I feel like there's still a lot of... Uh, yeah. A lot of topics. We a lot of memories. We didn't. Uh, well, you got to come in studio. About the new blood. We you got to come in. I know. And that, that listen, but no, but for that one, I'd like you to come in studio. When I did this podcast, I told myself no, no telephone interviews. Everybody's got to yeah. be in studio, and I think that's gonna that's Perfect. gonna I'm, gonna I'm make it more organic. You know what? And you know what? We have yeah. someone teching the show. We'll have shitloads of of highlights and clips and like. Yeah. I used one of your your interview to promote this. Did you see your yeah. interview? I saw it. I saw it. I don't even know. Where did you get that? Did you get that from YouTube? I got that from YouTube, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, this Russian girl did that interview for me. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's a good idea because believe it or not, I've never been to L.A., which is very embarrassing to say. So I think I'm way overdue for a trip once this world, you know, comes back to normal. I'm going to come out to uh, come out to L.A. We could do part two. I could finally meet Braxton. Oh, that'd and, be great, uh, dude. Uh, maybe I'll maybe maybe you'll convince me to step into the court for a couple of couple of plays. Shit. And, and play with who? <laughs> and play uh, with who? I'm retired, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I retired ten years ago, so shit. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you know? Oh wow. So listen, for all of you at home. For all of you watching on your iPhones and your iPads on your roofs, for all of you stuck in your apartments in New York and can't leave, for all of you um, who got a, this magnificent view of the beach that live in South Bay, for all of you from Russia, I got a good Russia contingency. Thank you all from the UK. Thank you from Australia. Trish Morris joining us from Australia, from Sydney. Um, I love you all. This is And for DJ Stoon, I am Jason DeBellius. And for now, until the next episode chill <laughs> see ya thank you for having me man i'll see you soon bet come check out the option podcast on optiondb.com it's also available on itunes and spotify and on youtube under the ny varsity sports handle you're gonna love what you hear